Cheers, y'all. That's the beginning of a party right there. Welcome, yes. ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast and video extravaganza known worldwide Hi, as Mom. the internationally famous Smokin' and Toastin'. Welcome to the show. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It's show number 245. We're halfway to 300. And no one has stopped us. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> uh, so welcome. Today is our great martini challenge. As we uh, have talked about doing this show for so long that I'm so like pleasantly surprised. I love that sound. Years so, in the making. Pleasantly surprised that it's finally here. Our uh, cocktail expert, Chris Morris, has joined us. And he's brought along a uh, friend, which makes us doubt this person's integrity immediately. Hi, Mom. Uh, and you should. But, <laughs> but welcome to uh, uh, Fox and Seeker's Sean Anger. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks it's for nice having me. nice to have you here. Happy to be here. So the concept of the Great Martini Challenge, although I don't think it's going to change any minds, uh, will be to put uh, gin martinis up against vodka martinis and see what we like about each one and which ones which style which which spirit uh martini we like better and ian is now going to school me in the fact that vodka martinis are not actually called martinis that's go, true go ahead you might as well get it out of the way well, I, I learned this from chris morris the yeah. vodka martini is actually not a martini it's a kangaroo and somehow like i'm not saying that i doubt that that's true but i have to note the irony in the fact that he calls them a kangaroo and that the intro that he so nicely provided for us for uh, uh, for drinking news features a verse about him getting into a fight with the kangaroo. I was, I was a little sad he didn't bring a guitar today, actually. <laughs> kangaroo? This is Cruise. not a word that you work into every conversation. This, this has been confirmed. It was in Playboy. And if you read the articles, like that fine publication was intended, you would know this. <laughs> well, I, beginning like, to who would question the integrity of that publication? <laughs> I'm beginning to understand why I missed it. Um, I'm sure their fact-checking department is, is uh, Second irreproachable. None. I'm sure it is. There's some good journalism going on. I there. like what you're doing over there, Chris. Oh, yes. 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 This looks like Good. So yeah, Chris is uh, is whipping up a, an early a first segment drink for us, which I'm really excited about. A also, primer, if you will. Also excited about where we're headed in this show because in addition to the Great Martini Challenge, we'll be tasting what I think are going to wind up being some very interesting beers. Uh, Westbrook Brewing Company out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, has provided us with a beer that is not themed for their state at all. It's called Maximum Florida. But we talk, <laughs> we, we talk so much about Florida on the show, you know, with Florida Man being so prominent in, uh, you know, in, in drinking news. Um, and we've got some favorite breweries in Florida that we, you know, have had have had uh, beers on for them before. So in any case, the Maximum Florida is an Imperial Berliner Weiss. And it's got thank all you, kinds oh, like of stuff in, in it. So we'll Imperial be getting to that. nonetheless. Yes, we'll be getting to that. Uh, by the way, happy National IPA Day. It's today wow. National IPA yeah. Day. Yeah. And I'm starting off the show with the show beer, and it our is car a, IPA from St. It's a very good one from yes, St. Arnold's. So now, uh, you know, I was all excited when I, when I saw that it was National IPA Day, but then I realized, you know, there's a national day of everything. There's a national postage stamp liquors day and stuff like that. I mean, it's just the, they've got everything. So uh, so it's not that big a deal. But in order to uh, provide the appropriate celebration, we will be sampling from Brixton Labs their Edge of Mysteries IPA. Brixton that sounds Labs, entertaining. Uh, yeah, out of uh, Newport, Kentucky. Uh, and, and that seems a little deceptive because I've been to Kentucky 
and I don't recall any water at all. So how would there be a port or a new port of any kind? That that needs that needs to be in a coastal town. But I digress. One of my favorite stories involves Kentucky water. Yeah, yeah. We were at the Four Roses Distillery uh, literally eight years ago today. Me and my wife. This popped mm-hmm. up in my Facebook memories, which is great because I've drank all of them away. So <laughs> I like to have a reminder of the places that we've been and things like that. <laughs> the things you've had to drink. <laughs> but a lot of the distilleries uh, this time of year will will shut down their um, production usually for like a couple weeks. And this wonderful little country bumpkin was explaining to us, and she's like, "Well, you know, just just the river where we get our our water gets you know just a little warm, um, and." You know, we use the water for to, to cool the whiskey down. As I'm sure you know, you can't use hot water for cooling. <laughs> I, I, that is factually that, correct. Absolute, hashtag logic. <laughs> yes, <that laughs> absolute truth. There it is. They speak, they speak from the heart in Kentucky, and they speak truth. I, I loved um, her. She was fantastic. Uh, we'll also take a little uh, beer-driven trip right up the highway from us to Magnolia, Texas, uh, to one of my favorite breweries in the world, the Lone Pint Brewery. Oh, oh, Today we'll be... Beer. Today we'll be tasting one of their uh, limited beers. It's their El Cuero White Stout. And Ian told me uh, the other day that you've actually had this before. I actually have. uh, So I've been playing bass in a country band recently. We'll be playing up there again at the end of this month. Oh, Um, cool. And at the Lone Pine Brewery, which is a nice little setup, nice little outdoor setup. And they have all the taps set up outside. It's really nice. So I've had this. I can't wait to see what you think of it. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Plus, uh, gin and vodka martinis, obviously, and there are several different vodkas, several different gins. So we'll be talking about all of that. Drinking news on the program today. Our drinking news teaser headline is very simple. Food fight. I love it. That's our teaser headline. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be looking forward to getting to that. Uh, new cigars to watch for. We will have an update for you on that. Molson Coors is discontinuing 11 beers. You'll have to see if any of your favorites are going but, away. But they're keeping the cold activated. That's can, right. That's, well, you know, you keep what works. Look, and, look uh, guys, we can either get rid of the can or we can get rid of some of these beers. Yeah. Let's get rid of the beers. <laughs> and the price budget. Uh, plus, we will also, if we have time to get to it today, I thought with, with uh, uh, cocktail masters in the room, uh, I have a list of the eight cocktails that bartenders order on their nights off. Oh. So I thought it'd be interesting oh, do we now? to compare <laughs> this list to actual real living uh, okay. tenders of bar and see if they're anywhere I'm excited close for to this. Yeah, yes. so, we'll, so we'll be getting to all of that on the show today. And right now we're going to get to our, our uh, first martini, which Chris was, uh, was kind enough to mix up for us just it as the show was beginning. great in here. He came in and immediately started zesting these Ooh. lemons. Oh, and it just and, smells so And you can get a nice little nose of the zested lemon right off of this, can't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I, just, I just couldn't wait. Uh, I love that. But I, like you said, this has been in the planning for a while, mm-hmm. and the opportunity came up uh, to work with Sean and do this so that it, we're in basically laboratory conditions here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> we think of this as our lab. This yeah, is our lab. Yeah, exactly. Well, because it'd be real easy to like do some some vodkas and some gins, and then someone's just going to yell about how like we didn't use their favorite vodka, or like oh, we, gotcha, we didn't use the right gotcha. gin, yep, or like... Yep. You know, there's the chance, like, I just go buy, like, a shitty vodka and, like, a really nice gin just right. to, like, influence it. Sure, yeah. We cannot do this now. I have the man who distilled these. They are all the same exact mash bill off the same exact still. Everything okay. is identical 
except for botanicals and what makes Gen Gen. So this is Fox and Seeker um, products all the way through. Yes. Yes, sir. All right. This is exciting. So and this... it, it is as neutral as we can get. This is comparing strictly vodka to gin. Okay. And yeah. the first martini you made is a gin martini, correct? Yes, it's a, a gin martini with their Meridian gin, which is their slightly more uh, floral profile. Sean can tell you all about mm. it. I've tasted it. I know it tastes good. Yeah, if if you're a gin fan, uh, this is a phenomenal gin to differentiate your profile, but it runs forward with hibiscus, chamomile, rosemary. They're hibiscus the... is what I was feeling yeah, in there that yeah, I couldn't you quite that, egg. There was, sure. a little, there was a little funky something in there, funky in a good way. There but, is. And yeah. I was like, what is that? And I couldn't nail it until you said it. Yeah, yeah. The hibiscus and the chamomile play really nicely together. Rosemary and juniper are used to kind of level out the sweetness in the, in the gin standalone, and then. Chris is the best at combining ingredients with that to elevate the whole thing. So, so as much as I enjoy gin, I, I struggle sometimes with the gin that is so juniper forward. Mm -hmm. It just feels like I'm trying to drink a juniper bush, uh, yep. which is, you know, you talk about, you know, drinking pine cones in, a, in an IPA yeah. that's, that's got too much, uh, uh, too much of the hop, <laughs> too much hops that isn't balanced. And that's how I am about some gins. It's like... I enjoy overall, but then it's like uh, a little too juniper. -y. So this, I wanted to say, is much more balanced. I, I feel like there is a definite floral, you know, going on here. But as you mentioned, the hibiscus is kind of the first thing that you get, and 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 the lemon zest thing really. Yeah, what do you call it when you just squeeze the lemon oil, kind of pop uh, it? In it's, there. it's called expressing. Uh, you know, lemon yeah, oil. that little bit of lemon expression in there really mm -hmm. brightens yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, on all of the like. Formerly dry martinis that we're doing here. We're going to be doing lemon over the top, both of the dirties. I have some high quality olives here. I've got a fresh pack of olive brine. We're good to go. Dirty. Now, I, I want to ask you this question because I make vodka martinis uh, at home. Kangaroos. 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 <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm always looking for olive, uh, really good olive juice, olive brine to put in them. Yeah. My favorite is always when I can get it from the actual jar that the olives were in. But I'll buy, you know, I, I make a few more martinis than that will allow for. Uh, so, I'll, so I buy some of the uh, olive juice. I've just noticed that some of it I like a lot better than others. Do you have recommendations about, uh, about what the best olive juice is to use? I mean, I think the, the best is obviously kind of subjective. Um, mm -hmm. For me, the brand that we're using today, a brand called Filthy, Mm -hmm. um, they were kind of like industry lead, like they were doing cold pressed olive olive juice. Like you're, you're going to see, like we're not going to put a whole lot in, and these things are going to look like we pulled them out of Galveston Bay. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, and, and there's just, no medical waste it, floating on the top. And, right. and it's just like incredibly like beautiful natural olive flavor. So you, definitely one that I recommend. And they just redid their packaging. Uh, into literally this little eight ounce like pouch. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That I think yeah. is really really awesome. Very user friendly. And that's with, the, with something you can easily open, reopen. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that uh, is easy enough to find, or is that something that a bartender uh, uh, and mixologist like you can get their hands on, but might be tougher for me? I think it's going to be more and more in the market. So Filthy mm -hmm. was around for quite a while, and we're at like Specs. They specialized in uh, olives and particularly cherries. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they they wound up selling the company and getting some like 
more funding behind it. So that's when they came up with this new packaging, new mm-hmm. logo. But I saw their cherries at Kroger the other day. Okay. Oh. Okay. So I'd, I'd imagine you're going to be seeing this more and more coming to like your your bigger your specs and and total and places like that. But I, I love these guys and what they do. Something we'll be nice. uh, we'll be looking for then because because uh, I'm always on the search for a better olive juice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so before we get uh, much further down the path with martinis, um, the show is also um, very much about cigars, and this is usually the time in the program where I asked Ian if you have uh, smoked anything interesting lately. Man, did I. I went over to uh, Casa this morning. They're still not ready with their list of uh, best cheap cigars. I'm looking I, I forward to it. bugging them about yep, it. Yeah, I'm looking forward keep to it. keep bugging them about it. I can't wait to see what they say. But uh, I picked up a, a Padron, actually. Ah, a standard Padron or a, a Padron, Padron? Damaso. Okay. D-A-M-A-S-O. I think I'm saying it right. This is a number eight. This is a five and a half by uh, 46, so not a very big cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, wrapper's Connecticut uh, binder and uh, filler uh, Nicaragua. The appearance on this light brown with a slightly almost chalky kind of look to it uh, towards the uh, towards the head. Um, the uh, it's, it's, it's mostly smooth with some veins going through. Makes it slightly lumpy, but mostly smooth. Uh, firm feel overall. Nice looking cigar. I've two noticed, bands. One thing I've noticed about Patron is that, you know, when you buy an anniversario or one of their you know top line things, those cigars have a tendency Imp- that wrapper is smooth Peckable. as silk. Impeccable. When you buy one of the regular line, it can get a little lumpy. Yeah. Which well, isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you know, it uh, it's just interesting to see. The well, difference. when you have somebody sitting there separating and and, and yeah. uh, grading all the different tobacco leaves, going, "This is going on those cigars." Uh, yeah, definitely they uh, right. definitely they let the lumpy ones go on the ones the, that are the not. The pre-light sniff on this is creamy, nutty, uh, slightly spicy. Some cedar, some campfire, some traditional, very kind of traditional tobacco things going on was the <laughs> number one. The pre-light uh, draw on this, I used a clip. It was an effortless draw. Pretty firm feeling cigar overall, so uh, to get an effortless draw through that, I mean, the roll must have been fantastic. Uh, I got some macadamia nut, campfire coffee, slightly spicy kind of flavors going on. The initial light on this, big spices with some pepper. It wasn't spicy like just pepper blast. It was spicy like like big... Some, sometimes uh, Connecticut uh, rappers can have that kind of generic spicy kind of flavor that's not mm-hmm. just pepper that mm-hmm. kind of thing and this right, had right. this had a lot of that okay and I, I, generic as a as a descriptor not as a you know like it's not good or anything not like implying that. that it's cheap right the um the initial light on this big spices with pepper um coffee some nutty uh spices a little kiss of mint mm. right off the bat of that so actually quite a lot of profile from the uh, initial light on this sounds I was, like it yeah sometimes you get a little more one dimensional things but this had this had quite a bit of stuff going on. Retro hails peppery and sweet. The first third of this, big creamy, spicy coffee, wood, damp hay, mint, slightly fruity overall. Uh, the retro hail was very peppery and toast and wood. That actually settled down a little bit later, but it was a pretty, pretty big retro hail right off the bat. Um, solid ash, perfect burn. Mm. By the way, yeah. absolutely perfect burn. The uh, second third of this, um, spices level out and make room for sweet spiciness and oak. Uh, fermented hay and campfire remain in there. Solid ash, uh, perfect burn. The last third of this flavor is kind of coalesced into a sweet, spicy casserole of goodness. I like I don't that. Know how to, I don't know how sweet, to make this spicy casserole, casserole of goodness. goodness. Yes, That's it was good. It was really nice. It yeah. was like all the flavors just kind of at the very last a, third of this kind of just 
came together and really created this beautiful. Think, you know, you know what would make a sweet, spicy casserole of goodness even better? What's that? Some Nicaraguan pepper blast. Oh, there you yes, go. yes, that would the work. The name of my new metal band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was going to say. I also, think, the title track. I think. I think. What, what was that again? Sweet. Sweet spicy casserole, uh, a sweet spicy casserole of goodness. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a series on Netflix <laughs> <laughs> or, or a Pink Floyd song. And it left yeah. it left a bit of a, a, a fruity uh, and minty aftertaste with a little oak dryness on it. It was really really nice cigar. I enjoyed it. This um, the the price to quality on this, this is a twelve dollar and fifty cent cigar. Yeah, it's an expensive cigar for a small one. Mm-hmm. I did look at the other sizes. The other sizes go up appropriately in price. So. Um, so they all uh, seem to be, you know, for the amount of tobacco you're getting, they're all kind of in the same price range. Uh, I give it a six, though. I really enjoyed wow. it. It so, smoked for almost so an hour. At a six, you're saying if it had been... Oh, I'd, I'd have spent more. Yeah, I'd have spent, spent, yeah, spent 14 to $15 easily on it. Uh, wow, so it was that and good? And I would have been... Would have been happy with it. It would That's have gotten impressive. a five at, at fourteen dollars pretty impressive. easily. So I was I was really happy with it. I also wanted to point out I added a picture in there uh, that uh, hopefully Adam will bring up if he hasn't already. That that has the cigar that I smoked this week uh, for my uh, show, but also has the cigar that I'll be smoking this weekend on the river. This is a oh, this is your this Gordo. is the JFR eight by eighty Maduro. So oh. just so you're looking at this in my hand. Next to each other, so you can see the size you see of the this. difference between the two cigars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the picture will come up. We got a little bit of lag, but once you mm-hmm. see it in my hand compared to the cigar that I just smoked, which is a normal cigar size, not like a giant cigar. But man, yeah, I can't wait. That's going to be a four-hour-plus cigar easily. <laughs> and will you be on the river the whole time? So I've I've brought this cigar on the river before, and uh, yeah, there it is on the uh, on the thing right now. I've brought this cigar on the river before, and I've gotten in, done a four hour float, and gotten out, and still smoking a cigar. <laughs> oh, that's great! It's absolutely fantastic because uh, then you get on a river, you bring one cigar. And how is the cigar? Like it's a good cigar. Yeah, it's a good cigar. Now that being said, it's not a very expensive cigar. Actually, that whole uh, that eight by eighty there is like ten dollars. So it's about the same price as it's, the one. It's you a smoke. lot of tobacco though. <laughs> <laughs> and it lasts about th- you know and 10 it lasts times longer forever. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's nice because like I said you bring one cigar and 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 if for some reason you dump it in the river well it's a 10 dollar cigar it's not that big a deal. Well I kind of went to the opposite end of the spectrum uh from you this week. And I smoked something that uh well let's just say the art of deception is in play with oh. the cigar I had this week. Um this the first part of that is that I bought it a little while back thinking that I was getting some kind of great deal on a five-pack of Brickhouse cigars. Brickhouse is a great cigar, yeah, yeah. man. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's a great price, and I bought it. Well, I wasn't quite paying as close of attention as I should have been because <laughs> the cigar is not a brick house cigar. It's a brick-and-mortar cigar. Mm. Uh, wow, yeah. wow, and it wasn't wow. until I pulled one out of the humidor that I realized my mistake. I literally, I got it, I unwrapped it, I put it in the humidor, never noticed until I pulled it out of the humidor and I was looking at the, the band, which, by the way, is the same color scheme as Brickhouse Oh, so cigars. they meant to do oh, that. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's, that's what I'm saying. There's a little deception. Oh, involved. you got got. There's some yeah. trademarks. The other thing about the brick and mortar is... It's deceptive because they're not available at brick-and-mortar stores. You can only get them online. <laughs> yeah, I, so doesn't that seem kind of weird? Uh, anyway, um, for a brand that's called brick-and-mortar, sold only online, 
Hmm. All right. So <laughs> the cigar features a Habano Criollo wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and Honduran and Nicaraguan filler, and it was rolled in Honduras. The pre-light on it was earthy, some grassy notes, a little bit of wood. I used a punch, and I lit it up and got a small black pepper blast to start with. Not, not like, intense, but it was there. Uh, and then... The first third of this uh, brick and mortar was it was better than I was expecting, quite frankly. Black pepper was the dominant note. I did get a little oakiness and some earth. It left a little bit of pepper tang on my tongue that was actually quite enjoyable. And uh, it was in the retrohale as well. And I'm guessing that's from the Criollo uh, wrapper, which can be a little spicy. Uh, burn was good, and the ash held on reasonably well. Second third didn't change too much. I got a little bit of baking spice along with the pepper. And it continued to burn surprisingly well. The earthy flavor ramped up a little bit in the final third. I got a little bit of citrus zest, but black pepper was the predominant note on this thing all the way through. Um, I will say I was very pleasantly surprised at the construction. Uh, it was well-wrapped. Some Criollo-wrapped cigars I've had in the past have a tendency to uh, you know, burn a little crooked because of the nature of that particular wrapper leaf. I'm looking at the picture right now. Yeah. And if you weren't actually <coughs> reading the actual words on the you label, you would think it was a brick house. It's a brick wouldn't you? house. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. And uh, but nevertheless, it actually burned. Uh, it actually burned really straight. Uh, even though, like I said, the Criollo wrapper, I've had some uh, like the Cao Criollos, which I like, uh, have a tendency to burn crooked most of the time, and you're always doing a little tending to them. So this one did not uh, do that. It burned um, really, really straight. Uh, all in all. It was a pretty pleasant smoke. Uh, I had had one of these about a year ago when I first got the little five-pack. And uh, I, I remember, to be honest, not liking it all that much. And so I was really kind of prepared. I thought, okay, today I can do one of those you know, that will be a sort of rebuttal to those people that say we like everything. you know, Because <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll come in and say, you know what? Yeah, yeah, not good, not worth it. Uh, however, um, it was... Um, Pretty pleasant. Not overly complex, but a nice medium to full body. And the pepper note was actually uh, quite enjoyable. I will say I'm not 100% sure. This may be a Chris Hart special because I'm not 100% sure you can get these anymore. Uh, I went on <laughs> to the website where I bought it to look up you know, the price and information uh, on the JR website, and they seem to be sold out of it. So okay. I don't know whether they were clearing them out or whether there are more on the way. But... I will say for a dog walker or a lawnmower cigar, it, it really wasn't bad. And here's the thing. It was $2.50. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I I am an idiot for thinking that I bought a brick house <laughs> instead of... Uh, in, We've all know, done that At before. that price? Come on. You're not going to buy a brick house for two fifty. Something's yeah. wrong. Immediately check, check closer because something's wrong, right? Uh, but ultimately, it smoked pretty well considering its price. So believe it or not, I'm going to give it a five and a half on price to quality. I mean, it, it wasn't at sub three dollars. At sub three dollars, and it was like I, I'm actually looking forward to the other three that are in my humidor. So um, it's, it wound up being pretty cool. There you I go. guess brick mouse cigars. So, yeah, brick. It <laughs> 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 reminds me, you see these uh, things on like uh, BuzzFeed and sometimes of, of the. Uh, um, the places across 
like different parts of the world uh-huh. that like will be McDonald's, but one letter is different because it's McDonald's or something. Well, like, you mm-hmm. know, like they change one letter, but they still use the golden arches yeah. and try to fool you into thinking <laughs> that was a McDonald's. When, when my brother was overseas, he uh, he sent me a picture of a guy that had a full track suit on mm-hmm. that said Abibos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, I'm get. I, I really, as you can tell. Didn't like that martini at all. Right, right, it's terrible. It's completely gone. Uh, so we'll get into, uh, in our next segment, we'll get into uh, doing a little comparison here and uh, trying more things made with this Fox and Seeker uh, spirits, both uh, gin and vodka, as we continue with the Great Martini Challenge on Smoking and Toasting, and we'll be right back. I'm serious. I was so ready to go. Uh, the cigar was terrible. <laughs> it wasn't, and I was like, not that exactly Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. I love the sounds of, of this show. It is a beautiful yeah, it, thing. It, it, today's show, just hearing Chris during that. Reds, Reds were jumping in. I just want to give a shout out to Ralph Ulrich who's watching. He was a legendary proprietor of the Pick and Pack way back in the, the day. The Pick and Anybody Pack, baby. That? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, hey, uh, the U.S. cigar market, uh, we're having like another cigar boom. It's happening I was right now. just having that discussion at the cigar yep. shop earlier today. Uh, it has not only started off with an extremely robust 2021, which I don't know. Here, here's my theory. Everybody emptied their humidors in 2020. I did. You know? And so come come January or February of this year, everybody started needing to stock back up. That that's my that's my theory. Plus, when things started to open a little bit in some states in, you know, uh, what was it, uh, April, May, things started mm-hmm. to kind of slowly open back up. Um, people were so, like, anxious to get back out and, you know, go, go someplace and have a cigar in the cigar lounge again that I think all of that has contributed. But one way or another, the, uh, the 2021 calendar year is off to a brisk start uh, in May. Imports just released by the uh, the U.S. government were 39 million. That is double the amount of cigars that were shipped in May of wow. 2020. So May of this year, double May of last year. That's a kind of a big deal. Wow. Now, also, if you think about it, there's there's some interesting factors. May of last year, probably most of the cigar stores were ordering very cautiously yeah. because they didn't know well, they were, what this was going to look like. They were like. ordering cautiously, yeah. but they weren't getting a lot of stuff, right, too. That, right. was, that was and that so, part of it. And so think about it. If you ordered cautiously in May of last year, your humidor stock probably got a lot lower across the next you know six months than you normally would allow it to get. Because you were being careful, not knowing how this was all going to work. And so by the time you turned around and reordered, a lot of that's impacting 2021. So we'll see how long this cigar boom lasts. But it is not unlike the cigar boom of the 90s, if you remember back when. And let's hope it doesn't have the same impact as that. Because back in the 90s, it got really hard to find good cigars. (laughs) Because everybody was, you know, cranking them out so fast that uh, that quality suffered a little bit. But uh, anyway, 2020 was a year of pauses and stops and uncertainty. Some cigar factories were forced to close, but uh, this year things are full speed ahead. Nicaragua continuing their dominance as the uh, country that is just shipping cigars like nobody's business. There were 20.3 
million uh, Nicaraguan cigars shipped in May wow. of 2021. That's up 62% from 12 and a half in May of uh, 2020. So, uh, so I got to ask. I've I've never really gotten into cigars, so. Mm-hmm. Hearing you guys talk about it is fascinating, just the levels of, of the layers to the cigar world, the way, how they're constructed. We have no idea what we're talking about, just so you know. So, <laughs> hey, you fooled me. So, uh, okay. yeah, we act like it, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But let's say I wanted to get into the cigar mm-hmm. world. What What is a good approach for someone who's never been into cigars that wants to? What What, what do you look for? Well, I would say you'd want to start with milder blends mm-hmm. so you don't, like, knock yourself in the in the mouth right away with with something too heavy um i would recommend uh, one that i recommend to people uh who are kind of looking for you know a first cigar is the oliva connecticut i think it's yeah, a very a great one very tasty very toasty mm-hmm. uh lighter bodied cigar uh, and there are a number of others that's just the first one that comes to I mind had the you... uh the uh arturo fuente hemingway series short story mm-hmm. see oh, so when you're getting into cigars first off don't grab gigantic cigars. You're not yeah. going to finish them. Right. Grab you're little just, ones. You're just not. It's, yeah. you know. Shorter um, ones. Uh, smaller cigars so you can kind of adjust your palate to it and those kind of things. If you decide you really like them, then you can get bigger versions of that cigar. But mm-hmm. the smaller cigars are generally, uh, one of the biggest issues I find with people who are just getting into it is like, I just don't want to make that time commitment. You know, they make tins yeah. of good cigars that have that five small, or yeah. ten mm-hmm. small sticks in there. Now, the flavor profile does change when you when you have a smaller stick or a bigger stick because of the the wrapper to filler ratio and things like that. But, but, but you know, getting into some of those like the Perdomo tenth anniversary is another great like you can get it in all kinds of sizes, a fantastic stick and mild enough. Yeah, or for like anybody to start with. One of those light, yeah, one tell, like the, the light wrapper nubs is mm-hmm. perfect. Right. Yeah, yeah, the, the Connecticut uh, nub. Yeah, you're, you're you're in for like 30 minutes. You get to experience it. It's well made. It's good intro and sets yeah. you back like five or six bucks. Right. Rocky Patel Connecticut is another, yeah, absolutely, uh, another great one. Uh, so then what I would recommend is that the cigar store proprietor is your friend. Mm-hmm. If you buy two or three different kinds of cigars and smoke them, and then go, okay, the one I liked the best was this. Then go back in and say, hey, uh, I'm fairly new to this, I, but I tried several cigars, and the one I liked the best was this. Take a this. picture of that wrapper. What should I try next? These guys know their stuff. Yeah. They really do. And, you know, they may be, you know, used to smoking, you know, much heavier blends or whatever for their particular palate, if particularly if they've been at it for a while, but they know which of the uh, lighter ones are good. And, and I say lighter ones just simply because it's a good way to start. You may find that you very quickly uh, enjoy a, a medium or a medium full. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was really I, trying to make it to this episode without saying good things about Alan Denny, but fuck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're going to make, you're you gonna just, make us do it, aren't you? Sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. Um, Alan, who uh, runs the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge uh, is just, I mean, he's one of those guys. Go in, say, I really like this. What else would I like? Yeah. And he will have a number of um, of choices for you, and he won't just necessarily try to sell you the most expensive thing he yeah. can sell you, which is... And, and, mm-hmm. and don't be shy about talking to the guy at the cigar shop. I promise you, that guy wants you to come back and buy cigars. Yeah, and uh, he's not going to just try to sell you stuff. They're yeah, not no, going to. That's not the way they operate. That, that they, is, that's absolutely the best advice. Is like mm-hmm. the the people who work in cigar stores, like 
are actually like passionate about tobacco, like use right. them as a resource. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of like asking... what I did when I first got into it. Like I was working in Uptown Park. I went to Uptown Cigars. Guy working the counter was a guy named Jamie. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, I drink red wine, and this is what I like. He's like, here you go. Yeah, yeah. this will go with it. Love and it. and it's a lot like asking a bartender uh, about a cocktail. He'll mm-hmm. say, well, what do you like? And if you tell him what you like, he'll go, okay, try this. And, yeah. and it's very s- very similar in the, in the cigar world. Not like I need another hobby. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, but, it, but to enjoy a cigar once in a while, especially with a drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. nice thing about gin, martinis, things like that, gin is, is uh, unless it's incredibly new, uh, uh, juniper forward, gin goes with most cigars, with especially most cigars. the yep. Connecticut's yeah. on the lighter side. because the, the, the flavors don't fight each other. I don't know that they... That they as much complement each other, but they don't fight each other, so you can really enjoy both mm-hmm. at the same time. And as much as I love uh, like IPA beers, they aren't necessarily great to pair with cigars. Depends on which one. Right. Uh, but if you're talking about, you know, m- martinis or vodka drinks, or you're talking about like uh, heavier beers like stouts and and porters, those things generally pair really, really. Yeah, it's well. harder not to. Yeah, yeah, right. There exactly. My wife and I went to Scotland like two years ago, three years ago. It was pre-pandemic, and went to the Dalmore, and the Dalmore nice. has a cigar, cigar blend. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, cigar uh, malt is outstanding. It was much uh, sweeter on the front end than their typical Scotch that, offerings. That is a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, Scotch, and and uh, I still have that a was, tiny bit of it left from the bottle that was beautiful distillery. Right, too. and that yeah, and that gorgeous. was made by a guy who likes a medium to full cigar as well, mm-hmm. so that's sweetness on the front uh, allows it to overcome the punch of a bigger flavored cigar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and let it blend with it. And I will tell you, it is masterful with a cigar. It I really used to is. buy the cigar malt in the first iteration of it years ago, and then it went away, and then they came back, and it's double the double price. price yeah, it's like yeah. 150 now for a bottle. But that but, and, the, and, a, and a good medium to full cigar still form like Voltron. Yeah, yeah. The, first, yeah. the first one was what? It was like the, wasn't that the, the Grand Reserva? Was that the one that it was? Yeah, no, it was I, just called Cigar Malt. Okay. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, like they, they had a like fifteen year Grand Reserva that was limited for a while. That was, I think, oh. in between the yeah. uh, right. I think in between the cigar malt iterations. Okay, so so it was the the second unofficial edition. Yeah, All right, I'll yeah, take yeah. It. okay. Uh, so it wasn't crazy, Chris. What are we drinking here? Uh, so this is going to be just a classic dry vodka martini. Um, this is going to be with Fox, mm. with Fox and Seekers uh, Discovery series, where they use a slightly different yeast. Um, that has got a real different flavor profile to it for the vodka. It almost, it almost doesn't. And, and I know you're going to tell me vodka doesn't have a taste, but no, it almost, I, will, I will never tell you. It that. almost doesn't no, we, taste like vodka. No, we, we we had a conversation about this. But that's not a okay. So let's. That, so there let's is no there. condescension on vodka coming so, up here. So let's go there. Vodka thought of as a neutral spirit, right? Correct. By, by many. So wouldn't that mean that, in its purest form, vodka doesn't necessarily have its own stronger flavors. So, several ways to approach. I love this. By my the way. commentary this here. Yeah. Can I? Can I just? Uh, I want to tell you that we found out just prior to the show that this man does this. This is his company, and it's grain to glass, mm-hmm. and he, in Texas here. That's correct. Yeah, 100 percent Texas grains, mm. mash, ferment, distilled, all in our distillery. Um, so, to the vodka question, neutral spirit. A lot of that. You know, vodka has become somewhat of a commodity, uh, mm-hmm. or mostly a commodity in the United mm-hmm. States. And you can buy it pretty cheap. Yeah, and, and a lot of that is driven, um, 
you know, for a long time, the, the TTB, the federal regulatory arm, they have a whole section of their code that defines uh, a spirit. So if you put vodka on the label, it, it tells you how certain parameters you have to meet in your process. Right. And for decades, it said it needs to be colorless, odorless, flavorless. Basically, <laughs> it has to be nothing. It has to be like, that's neutral. And yeah. that was rescinded recently. They removed ah, that statement uh, okay. because they realized that you know, the minimum requirement to distill is 190 proof uh, off of the equipment to meet vodka standards. Uh, the maximum theoretical is like 193. So there's three proof, you essentially, you have mm -hmm. to play with as a distiller. And in that three proof, you can add a ton of character on the low end or very little character at the high end. And really finding that balance is, is what we've tried to achieve in, in, in our spirits. Uh, but without charcoal filtration, without back sweetening, you can leave a ton of character in the vodka. Chris, what is in this martini besides the vodka? Vermouth. So there's how, how much vermouth? Uh, this one is a quarter ounce to three ounces of vodka. So a quarter ounce vermouth, three ounces yeah, so, vodka. So, so that I, just, the vermouth makes it dry. The the vermouth yeah so like what I tend to do when I make vodka martinis I add a little bit less vermouth so the ginger that we're doing today is going to be a six to one these are going to be twelve to one okay and the reason for that is is that inherent like neutrality of vodka because you don't have a bunch of botanicals that are like playing off of the botanicals that are right you know in, in the vermouth, like I, yeah. I I think a lot of people right like when you think about um, a martini, you're like, oh, it's a, a two or three ingredient cocktail, right? It's gin, vermouth. Uh, I like a little bit of orange bitters as mm -hmm. a note to the classic. But I think that's kind of selling it short. Um, because as I'm sure we'll talk about when we get into the gins, like your selection of botanicals, every single one of those is an ingredient. So your hibiscus, your lavender, like all of that, that's part of your ingredient. So this gin plus your base spirit is now like a nine to 10 ingredient right, plus all the right. botanicals that are in the vermouth that you choose. And all of a sudden, like you're actually looking at like a 25 to 30 ingredient cocktail, which can get pretty and complicated. every bit of that matters. Mm -hmm. Now with vodka, there's not all those botanicals. So the complexity that you do have in the vermouth tends to shine through a little bit more mm -hmm. because okay. there's not all yep, the botanicals yep. like bouncing off of it. So I like to do a little bit less. I think it still complements the cocktail very, very well. I still think vermouth makes a better vodka martini, but in like very restrained portions. Back to the uh, the concept of vodka not necessarily having its flavors. I've told the story on the show before, but uh, I was in Las Vegas uh, once with my best friend Dave, and uh, we wound up having dinner at a uh, restaurant in one of the casinos that's called Red Square. Mm -hmm. and it's a Russian-themed restaurant. And one of the things they offer there is a uh, flight of vodkas. And mm -hmm. when they deliver the flight of vodkas, it comes in a brick of red ice. It's obviously food coloring been added to the water, and they made this brick of red ice with six holes in it. And into each of the six holes is that's a test cool. tube of vodka. And there's six different vodkas. And I remember them being distinctly different. Yeah, that's a great presentation. Some, yeah, something fun, great and something nice and fun we should do um, before we're out of here, the the Discovery Series vodka and, and our commercially distributed vodka mm -hmm. side by side. They're made with the same grain bill, fermented to the same ABV, distilled to the same parameters. The only difference is the yeast strain used to ferment. 
Okay. And they're completely different vodkas. So you're wanting us to do more tasting? Uh, yeah, whenever time permits. <laughs> That's the worst. If I have to twist your arm uh, What that. a job we have, man. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people must. come in and they're like, oh, they want us to taste stuff. And uh, uh, yes, we will do that for sure. Um, I really, really like this. It's yeah. a very clean kangaroo. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are kangaroos considered to be clean animals? I don't even know this. There's like, no you know, fleas or nothing. Like, like you, know, you know how some animals, like you think that they're like not necessarily uh, that filthy but they are you know it is just like uh, uh but uh, kangaroos i don't so know so i I'll, I'll tell you this a couple a couple things if you're making uh, martinis at home especially with, with a new vodka or a new gin taste taste your uh spirit first yes that's a good idea that way you know what you're doing also with. a good excuse to sneak in an extra shot but <laughs> uh, but taste it and don't don't shoot it cuz everything sucks when you shoot it right you know right, like yeah. it's just but but stop and taste it and see. So, okay, so I, what I, is gonna I will say, under this. the universal law of Bruce Stark, we are at, we can basically end the episode because he's he said here that uh, <laughs> don't forget that martinis are like women's breast. One is never enough. Three is too many. Two is perfect. Uh, uh, but yeah. this also reminds one of my favorite quotes about martinis is from the socialite Dorothy Parker, where she goes, "I have one martini at dinner, two martinis at most." After three, I'm under the table. After four, I'm under my host. <laughs> that was Dorothy Parker. That's a great quote. Just for the record, we have four. We have four today, so we're going to see where this goes when the cameras are cut off. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's just you know, it, it's a good thing Matt Booth isn't here because he'd be he'd be like uh, you know, I and Ian up really big time. So, uh, all right, uh, this is fantastic. I love it. And Ian has now poured us our first beer, which I have a feeling. We almost might need a palate cleanse before we go to, but because look, you at almost it. need oh a spoon my. for wow. this. Oh. Yeah. this I mean, is look at the viscosity of this. this an imperial Berliner Weiss. But Ian, do you mind picking up that can and reading what is involved in this? Uh, uh, yeah, according oh. to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic <laughs> beverages during pre- pregnancy because of birth defects. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I feel picked so that much, up in the nose. Yeah. I feel so, <laughs> <laughs> feel so much better informed. That's the best response uh, ever. <laughs> smells like bubble um, gum and birth defects. <laughs> <laughs> this show's going downhill. All right, uh, Imperial Berliner Weiss with dragon fruit, passion fruit, mango, pineapple, pink guava, key lime, tangerine, toasted coconut, marshmallows, yeah, and whatever. Sugar. Yeah, what the uh, there's fuck so are marshmallows much, doing. There? There's there's so much in there that I, I was watching Ian turn the can back and forth as he read the uh, uh, read the list. But yeah. this, oh, Mr. Know, Torley can really over there. Yeah, Mr. Here, a manual Torley gig here. Yeah. Um, but I can't do can this tell, at the end of the show, but right now I can do this pretty well. As you can tell, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, has gone big on Florida here because this actually I, I looks— I do love the, the, the yard I, flamingo. And I think that's the Miami Vice font that they yes, used on yes, the yes. Uh, on there. So uh, Now, I'm a fan of Berliner Weiss. It's my favorite sort of style of sour. Uh, what's your thoughts on this, Ian? Have you t- tasted this yet? I think you—you um, you know when you get a, a smoothie and it mm-hmm. melts— and and just becomes this kind of like thick liquid. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. But also tart. Yeah, like yeah. this makes my whole mouth water, like almost to the point of eyes watering. Mm. And and it's all of that in kind of a good way because it's pretty good. It's pulpy though. <laughs> yeah, it is pulpy. I'm like I, I don't want to like it, but I really <laughs> do. <laughs> so you don't want to like it? Is that because you're not a fan of sours? And no, I mean I, I just that much like, stuff in a beer. Everything I, I could describe 
about this beer is going to make it sound not good, but it actually this is awkwardly quite good. opaque well, Jamba Juice is, looking nonsense, and like it's just so good. I will just say it is very Florida, like it's very tropical. It's it almost very tropical. It's almost pina colada like, but there's more flavors yeah. going on than a pina colada. It tastes like a, a, an amazing like, <coughs> you know how? Okay, so you know how uh, Icy's have that little carbonation in there that makes yeah. them a little bit zing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, so it has that, and it has a little tartness to it, but it really is like a melted. Slushy. It's 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 like a. It it's it's hard to describe because yeah, it, the aroma and the taste don't play together, but they're perfect. Yeah, it's uh, weird. I totally, <laughs> it's, it's totally I, agree. I don't get yeah, the, like the nose is super bubblegummy. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Nailed it. But you don't really get that necessarily no, on, on the uh, palate at all. No, I, pineapple. I, 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 like I think that's just like that. Is that pineapple in there? That like marshmallow, normal. like spun candy, I get sugar kind of thing. It's all, it's all in there, yeah. Ian. I don't think there's a fruit you didn't mention <laughs> when you were What is kitchen sink fruit? Anyway. I don't know. That's 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 pretty good. Um, Ian, does it say on the can what the ABV is of this? Uh, I don't see an ABV on here at all. I've never had an Imperial Berliner Weiss, I think, before this. So I'd be interested. I I, I can't um, taste any booziness in it because no, it's covered yeah. up by everything else. By every fruit known to man. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. So, so, like I said, if you're turned off by the descriptors of this beer, try it anyway because it's so bizarrely good mm -hmm. for what it is. Westbrook Brewing Company's Maximum Florida Imperial Brewing I would device. literally buy this just for the can. Yeah, oh, the can is terrific. 6% says the Google machine. 6%. Okay, Ask so that's the not Google. That's not massive. Uh, and it's massive for a Berliner. For, well, for Berliner maybe, Weiss, maybe which maybe are usually Berliner, 4%. 4%. Yeah, 4%. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so it may take a little while for that to multiply. Can I, I mention to St. Arnold that I really missed the boiler room, by the way? Yeah, well, so when we had our uh, last guest from St. Arnold on, he hinted that they might be doing it again mm -hmm. as a limited release. Mm -hmm. They used to come out in the bombers, you know, and, and that was five so bucks. Good. Man, it was I amazing. remember. I remember back in the days when I was just so budget conscious when it came to what beer I was buying. Read here, broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so broken. Like you would look down the bombers and go, "Oh, those all look so good." Oh, <gasps> that one's five dollars. You know what else is five dollars? Yes. <laughs> by the way, real ale, uh, uh, we heavy. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Real L, we yeah. heavy is good. Yeah, oh. we're real mm. L, uh, we heavy is fantastic. I like those. Guys it's called Re real heavy, is what it's called. Real heavy, it is okay. a heavy. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to get that one on the show because I may be able to afford to buy uh, to buy one and bring them in. So, all right, let's take a break and we will uh, come right back. We will do a little more uh, official martini tasting as the great martini challenge continues. And oddly enough, it looks like we've all emptied our glasses. I have just like. Oddly enough, it looks like we've all emptied our glasses. Uh, and uh, we'll be right back with more of the Great Martini Challenge on Smoking and Toasting, show number 245. Welcome back. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. It is our uh, program number 245. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Today is our Great Martini Challenge, and we are brought to you, by the way, uh, by the fine folks at MyCigarShirts.com. Great shirts on the web for cigar lovers. MyCigarShirts.com. 
be sure to check them out. Okay, so um, the Great Martini Challenge was really kind of designed to give us a chance to argue with each other about gin martinis versus vodka martinis. But I'm curious, uh, and I want to ask this of our guests, which martinis sell the most? That's do a great question. Do people order um, vodka martinis more often or gin? Um, for me, it's gin, actually. Yeah? Okay. Um, and, and that's not true for, I'm sure globally, it's probably vodka really? at, the, at this point. But I think in the people who are going out in like search of good cocktails, I think the, the gin martini is continuing its resurgence that's been done over the like, last 10 years. And I will mention that it was Chris, by the way, that he's already improved the martinis that I make at home. Because he convinced me to uh, stir them rather than shake them. Oh, same here. Yeah, and that uh, that was I always shook. You know, I I was following James Bond's advice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> martini shaken, not stirred. But uh, you made me uh, realize that the flavors actually blend together better uh, if you uh, if you stir rather than shake. Remind me of why that is. Uh, so it just has to do with like the the viscosity <coughs> of the cocktail, and I'm mm -hmm. and I'm gonna switch that paradigm ever so slightly. Um, so the the common heuristic is, you know, if it has citrus, you shake it. If it if it's all spirit, you stir it. But that also leaves a little bit of like gray area in the case of like dirty martinis. Olives are not a citrus; they're right. this interesting thing. So the advanced version of that is anything that makes your drink cloudy, whether that's olive brine, whether that's dairy, egg whites, you know, creams, milks. Mm -hmm. If you cannot see through your drink when you build it, that's when you shake it. So I think actually the dirty martini is better when you shake it. So that is what I usually make is the the dirty martini. Yeah. So I, so I think specifically dry martinis because they do have that clarity once you build them. It's just literally a clear spirit, a clear vermouth that you want to keep the integrity. Olive brine, you can kind of go either way just depending on your olive. Um, but I think shaking it actually kind of wakes up some of those olive flavors as we will see. So speaking of dry martini, I can see all the way through this. Hi, yeah. Ian. Uh, I love how when you uh, when you express the lemon on top, you get just, just this little fine film of that oil from the lemon on top. Yeah. Okay, so this is a gin martini. And you made this with the London Dry? With, the London, with the London Dry. Mm -hmm. So I, I figured the most neutral kind of way that we could do this um, is doing exactly like what people think gin is, which is mm -hmm. the slightly more juniper forward style. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, there is an entire gin market out there that focuses on botanicals other than, than juniper, much in like the style of the Meridian, the one that we first had. That was really par uh, sort of pioneered in 1999 by any, Hendrix. Is there any orange in this, by the way? There is a just a touch of orange bitters. It's very nice. This mm -hmm. is a, Yeah, mm -hmm. it, that, that's the single biggest thing I think you can do to upgrade your your gin martini outside of making sure your vermouth is fresh is just a couple drops of orange bitters. So, really kind of binds everything together. So talk to me about, about fresh vermouth. Is a bottle that's been sitting in my bar for too long maybe not fresh? Is that it, what you're getting It is at? absolutely not fresh. So vermouth okay. is literally a wine product. It started okay. as a way um, in Champagne to get rid of wine that was starting to go a little bit bad. Mm -hmm. So they just added, you know, some wormwood and other, you know, herbs and spices to it. And they aromatized it. They added some brandy and fortified it. And made this thing called vermouth, which is German for wormwood. Okay, and mm. so and so that's where vermouth and so, came and from. so like yes, it is a fortified wine, but it is still wine. It can still very much go bad. If you so, if, yeah, if, you, if you, you leave it on your a... back bar for six months, it's going to go rancid, 
And then you go to make your martini and go, well, vermouth sucks. I don't like vermouth. And then you never buy another and bottle. And now we know why. And now you yeah. never taste it. But of course, and so it just becomes like this very vicious cycle. So it's great information. But, but of course, vermouth companies only sell you a full bottle of it. They do not. Really? The brand that we are using I here. always see the giant uh, bottle. Yeah, so the one that we're using here, Dol- uh, Dolan Vermouth de Chambry, uh, my local H-E-B in Pearland sells this in half bottles. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Local H-E-B in Pearland can mm-hmm. sell uh, spirits? Well, this is a this is the wine product. It's a it's, wine. It's not a spirit. Oh, mm. Sh- that, of course. That so makes you'll sense. even see now in grocery stores you'll see uh, like fireball shots and stuff like that because it's a liqueur, not a full liquor. It's mm. Yeah. So so if you walk all the way percentage. past all the the craft beer and all of the wine setup, there's always that one where they have like margarita mixes and pina colada mixes and all that. Generally, if you look on like the top shelf, you'll find half bottles of vermouth. This so, is a this is a TABC Texas alcohol tobacco. Uh, uh, a thing. There's a lot of places like if you go into uh, California or right uh, where it's different. Mm-hmm. Louisiana, if you go to Louisiana they, they sell. I'm not kidding. I once stopped into a KB Toys in Louisiana, and they had <laughs> liquor behind the register. Uh, you know, I'm sure somewhere there they have just vending machines that have. <laughs> <laughs> they also have not one but more than a dozen different chains. Of drive-through daiquiri shops, <laughs> drive-through, yeah. Where you drive up, you order a daiquiri, oh, yeah. you pull to the window, you pay your money, they hand you the there, daiquiri, there those, and you drive away. There are those hey. in Houston now. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Now that being said, I think for it to be so, the, they're they're not using like actual rum. They're using wine-based spirits, so. right? A lot of those okay. okay. that that are just not good at okay. all. Good to know. This is good, by the way. This is this is very tasty. It is very much a gin martini mm-hmm. but the, the thing that i like is like when you smell it on the nose you can instantly tell this is the same like mash and distillate mm-hmm. and then when you taste it it's just got that little bit of like extra botanical herby kind of punch to it yeah the the bitters helps the back end of it yeah. balance Sean, out significantly this is ever so slightly higher abv it's not like jumping from like an 80 proof to like a 94 like this is going from what eighty two to eighty six point eight, so like they're still in like yeah. the same ABV range. Mm-hmm. So I think this highlights the difference really well. I th- I do th- I lo- I really enjoyed that vodka martini. I think for me, this just has that little bit kind of extra going on. This is classic. For me. Yeah. Sean, uh, where is uh, Fox and Seeker located? Fox and Seeker, our distillery is up near George Bush Airport, right okay. near the Beltway and fifty nine mm-hmm. north side of town. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yep. this is a this is a total Houston thing. Yep. Hundred percent Texas grains. We can be proud of this as uh, as local boys here. I like this. Yeah, that's one of the um, reasons I wanted to bring him in and like showcase this. Is like he's not only doing both vodka and gin, but it is grain to glass. It is Houston. It is Texas. It's a very honestly made product by passionate people, and I think it really kind of highlights what we're trying to do with this kind of like competition, if you will. And in Houston, can I find this in uh, the liquor stores? Yeah, the three brands you see: the Texas Vodka, Meridian Gin. London Dry Gin, the orange, blue, and green. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are commercially distributed. And the... The commemorative uh, is, uh, is a special dis- one. That's distillery only. That's okay. a one-off batch. Uh, so we're only selling that through our distillery tasting room at 20 bucks a bottle. So dropping yeah, off nice. somebody at the airport, make mm-hmm. a swing by, mm-hmm. and uh, take a bottle of that home. That's, that's right. good. Are you open at 6 a.m.? Because I have a 6.30 <laughs> flight on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what is awesome? Uh, and, of course, if you're going out of, uh, of uh, Intercontinental, you can't do this. But I have discovered that if you're flying out of Hobby, 
the uh, papacitos there in the uh, uh, in the wing. Uh, they're making margaritas. At 6 a.m. Are they? Bars yes, full. They that is, uh, that is, I love this. Yeah, I, I, I generally fly out of Hobby, but to, <laughs> my, uh, to my, get my direct flight to Philly, I had yeah. to go out of uh, out of Bush. The last time we were flying, my wife actually called them and asked when they were open <laughs> and when they were serving margaritas. <laughs> and she reported back to me with the excellent news that it was 6 a.m. Yes, so, if we're open, we're yeah. serving. <laughs> All right. Love it. Uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We have more martinis to taste, and we have uh, more beer on the way. In fact... We will celebrate National IPA Day Woo! by tasting the Brixton Labs Edge of Mysteries. Edge of Sounds mystery. very, very dark and mysterious. Yeah, and perfect music for it. We'll be right back. It is smoking and toasting. Very martini friendly. Yes, yeah, it does. That's a pretty cool. <laughs> New Orleans. Uh, right here. I love it. What about that guitar tone? Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, guy seems to know what he's doing. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. We are so thrilled to have you on board for show number 245 with our special guest, Sean Anger, Chris Morris. And, uh, you know, Chris, you're beginning to rival our two most frequent guests. Chris uh, Hart and uh, Alan Denny oh, really? for numbers of appearances on the show. And they had like a year and a half head start on Yeah, me. yeah, you're doing pretty good here, buddy. Coming back fast and furious. Uh, Ian, I got a list of the 11 beers that uh, Molson Coors is discontinuing. And I want to see if any of your personal a- favorites gonna, are on I'm the gonna list. I'm going to cry. I'm I don't know if you're going to cry or not. We'll have to see what's on the list. Um, so basically, um, they this is all based on uh, on earnings. The surge of craft breweries has created more options for drinkers than ever before, and uh, so like any industry, brewers are sometimes forced to reevaluate their products and make the difficult decision to pull certain now, items from the line. Now, my question is: Are they going to pull like items from the line that might actually have been decent items? Well, we'll see. We'll go down the list. We'll see if you like any of these. Number one. Ham's Special Light. Yeah, I'm not sad to see that one go. (laughs) Ham's is not good. Yeah. Number two is kind of interesting because it is one of the earlier, quote-unquote, craft beers. It was acquired by Molson Coors uh, at some point. One of the earlier craft beers uh, and uh, microbreweries, Henry Weinhardt's Private Reserve Northwest Style Lager. Now, I I haven't had one of these, but what I I read about it was uh, was interesting is apparently this is uh, a considered to be one of the earliest craft beers in America. See, and that's Mm. what I was just asking about. Like, sometimes they put out stuff that actually is good, Mm -hmm. and then they discontinue it. And then they discontinue it. You're you're thinking of Carbach and the uh, um, sympathy for the lager. Aren't no, you? I, I'm pretty sure that when when AB InBev bought Carbach, they looked at it and went, "Oh, we've got a lager." Yeah. So and sidebar uh, on sidebar on Carbach, I went to a little happy hour thing that they did for uh, my building at Morton's, uh, the steakhouse yeah, downtown. Yeah, that's nice. It was earlier this week. Nice thing. They had nice little appetizers. And they each had one complimentary drink. So I, I went up to the uh, bar and looked at the choices uh, for beer because uh, you never you never know with the cocktails they have right. for those things, right? So I looked at the choices for beer, and it was uh, Stella Artois, Michelob Ultra, and Hopadillo from Carbach. 
And I thought, okay, yeah, uh, okay. Well, this is, you know, I have a, a coupon for this. It's free, so I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. If that was the, if that was the entirety of the menu, and I were sitting down having dinner, there'd have been a long discussion with my server. But, uh, <laughs> but, but in this particular case, I was like, okay, look, it's free. I can't, I can't make. It. So I got a hopadillo. You know what? I really enjoyed it. Now it's been a while since I had a hopadillo. And I and I've told you before, like I used to drink a lot of hopadillo. Burned out after the, a while. Independent and I got burned out on it. But I will say this hopadillo was nice and cold and I really enjoyed it. So I just want to give credit where credit's due, because I've kind of you know, not really dissed him in the past, but I've said I'm kind of over him. Yeah, and I enjoyed that. My beer. problem with hopadillo and I, I'm you know, IPAs I'm kinda over them. Mostly, I mean, I still like IPAs. I, I am totally because they're still beer. I'm totally not, and I I'm like still, beer. I'm but still a that being IPA said, yeah, I like other styles much better than IPAs. Yeah. Uh, and Hopadillo came out hard and strong. It was one of the fastest, like you could get a good IPA. Yeah. but we all burned out on it because well, it was I remember, everywhere. Immediately. I remember getting into one of those beer festivals and thinking, I can't wait for them to put this on the right. market. Mm-hmm. And 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 we all kind of end up with that that Hopadillo skid mark on our tongue, so to speak. <laughs> and, and you just don't order it forever, right? Well, for what it's worth, maybe it's been long <laughs> enough. I thought it was really good. I mean, the last one I had was at an Astros game. Okay, there you go. It was cold. Mm-hmm. It was good. Man, yeah, I ended cold. up going. <laughs> it was also fourteen dollars. Oh yeah, right. I ended up going to the uh, St. Arnold has a booth at the uh, uh, yeah at the, at the ballpark. Yes, and I ended up spending. I think I had six beers. I spent like a hundred bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, what the? It's ridiculous. Have you, have you gotten to do the self scan line? Uh-uh. You just literally walk through, get your beer out of the cooler, put it in oh, front of a can. I have yeah. seen oh, that. Oh, it's oh, great. No way. Yeah. Well, you just literally it's right next it, to it too. You so just walk close. up and there's like a camera. You just put it down and calculate your total. You swipe your card. You're out. Well, Ian, no human contact. Give me beer. I don't know what you're gonna do uh, without this next beer that's going away from Molson Coors, Ice House Edge. Oh <laughs> man, <laughs> Edge. Yeah, the reason they call it Edge is apparently it was eight percent. Ice House was already like six and a half, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So this was Ice House cranked up a little. So they called it Edge, but it, it kind of did the opposite. In the opposite end of the spectrum, also going away is Keystone Light Key Lightful. I have no idea what, what that is. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that, that. A- apparently, you get even lighter than Keystone Light, and it's called oh, Lord. Key Lightful. So, oh. Oh. <laughs> they already saw that. It's called Ozarka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Aquafina. <laughs> Keystone Ice is always. You get a soda stream. And Keystone <laughs> Ice is also going away. Remember, like, when Ice. Ice Everything beers. had Bud Ice. Yeah, but it was Bud, Bud Ice. There was ice, Bud Light Keystone Ice. Keystone yeah. Ice. Yeah. Well, what was the ice? Anyway, was it ice filter? I don't even know what the. I, I don't even. I don't was. even remember now. Uh, but yeah, it, it had something to do with the filtration. I think. Like you know what they need to do? They need to bring back that cola. That cola. Uh, uh, trend that they had where everything was clear. Oh yeah, like, oh, like Crystal Pepsi. Oh no, <laughs> Crystal Pepsi was just nasty. Let's just let's just <laughs> like, admit it. We need we need like Crystal Coors or whatever. Crystal. Uh, also going away, Ian is Magnum malt liquor. What? Mm-hmm. Yep. This Magnum list is giving me liquor. a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is going away. Apparently, it's not just a condom anymore. Well, now it is just a condom. Magnum. Oh man! Oh, here we go. Uh, but I'm a little. Uh, well, okay. I'm gonna miss this one. Mickey's fine malt liquor ice. <laughs> ice? Yeah. There's I a didn't few know words they in ma- there. That I didn't know they made a Mickey's ice. I, when I saw the little bottle, I thought, "Don't tell me they're discontinuing Mickey's Big." Mac. I was in a band years ago, and uh, the the guy that uh, was the band leader, Jeff, 
dear friend of mine. Uh, I miss him all the time. We, that was where I always went for uh, Super Bowl parties and stuff like that. But I'll be damned if his favorite beer wasn't like the little Mickey's Big Mouth. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. It really Terrible. is. Talk about hangovers. But uh, it was it was a it's college green thing. bottle, and you feel like that bottle the next day. Yeah, You're just yeah, like, oh. absolutely do. Now, some of these beers probably really needed to go away, and this next one. You know, is anything an that says of ice after it, yes. All right. Well, this one too. Miller High Life Light. What? That, you already it, have Miller Light. A, Why would you know that was a thing? Yeah. Why would you need Miller High Life Light? But apparently that existed, and it That's when you're not quite no living the more. high life? <laughs> How about Milwaukee's <laughs> Best Premium? Speaking of redundancy. Is that right. different than Milwaukee's, Milwaukee's Best? Best? I think so. Of course. It's the I premium it's version. It's the premium. Yes, yeah. Christ. Oh. says it on the can. <laughs> Pay attention. It was a, I, don't, I don't have a picture. Sorry. It was established in 1895, just so you know. Oh. Uh, how about Old English High Gravity 800? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, that just, doesn't that just sound <laughs> like trouble? <laughs> bad, old English is bad enough I feel all like by itself. Miller Coors should have just sent us a list of all their beers, <laughs> yeah. and then it would be much easier. Yeah, yeah we, we could have just. Uh, Listen, yeah, it would I, been I, a like, lot I like that. I like that they had to make a high gravity version of it, <laughs> yeah. like for those who like just needed a little more of that. Yeah, old English wasn't quite enough. Give me the I'm high not, gravity. I, 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 I chose this seat on purpose because I was looking at the show notes. <laughs> this can looks like warp tour. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to show this can uh, to the camera. Adam, can you? Oh uh, my god! Oh man! Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that is the that, old English. That looks like college. I took yeah. a picture one time. I was, I was going through the grocery store uh, at one point in time, and I saw a Natty Daddy. Have you guys ever seen this? This was. It was literally. I think I sent uh, Adam a picture of it. I think, it I, think like I saw a Natty Daddy. Walking to the street in Montrose. It was high gravity, say, like a natural movie. Yeah. <laughs> light, and it was called Natty Daddy on the package. I'll, I'll have to dig that picture um, up. Somewhere. I'd buy a '69 pack and Natty <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> I'm I'm, uh, I'm not familiar with uh, the final one, but it's Steel Reserve 211. Have you ever heard of Steel Reserve? Well, Steel Reserve, yeah, of yeah. course. It tastes, uh, it tastes, it's, but the 211. If you're, for a, if you're looking for a malt Sadly. liquor with fine notes of of uh, carpet mold and <laughs> and lemon. Steel Reserve is what you want. Well, it's, you may still be able to get that, but the 211 Special Edition. I want to know what the 211 is. Yeah. Is, is that an area code? Well, I, you know, when I was a kid and I used to watch Adam 12, the cop show on TV, 211 in progress meant an armed robbery. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, because they would call out, they would they'd hear it on the radio when Adam 12, 211 in progress. Oh, in, no. Walker in Maine. Uh, yeah, so that's a 211, an armed robbery. Oh, yeah. uh, all yeah. right, well, thankfully, we're moving on to Martini. When you really want to steal a car. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Malort? Tonight's the night you fight your dad? Yeah. <laughs> uh, good slogans. All right, Chris has uh, worked up a dirty martini for us. Tell us about it, my friend. Uh, yeah, so this one we went with the Fox and Seeker Texas vodka. It's got a little bit... Uh, kind of earthier notes as opposed to oh. the the other one. The brandy yeast gives it some like kind of like florality mm -hmm. and like right. some tropicalness. Uh, so just mm -hmm. like the kind of just classic no nonsense vodka. I so think. I would say on the nose, this has more florals than I would expect from a. Uh, it's got a very so earthy I, dirtiness to it. I, mm -hmm. I I would say that's a combination a of super high quality olive brine and also like the corn really showing through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the vodka, when you when you taste. Um, Sean's products neat. Like you really do get that like kind of sense of place, and you smell that corn, that like kind of sweet earthiness, like pretty much across. The, like I even got it on the London Dry Gin. So the 
the it olive, the whole mouthfeel yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. the That's olive, incredible. the 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 brine, the the saltiness, like sort of sneaks up on you. You don't get it at mm-hmm. all on the nose. Like when I make my sort of regular dirty martinis, I can smell the olive. Like yeah. I can get it on the nose. I don't get it on the nose here at all, but it is definitely there. And the mouthfeel of this is a little bit thicker than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah Chris, you're gonna have to send me this recipe. Right. I I'm not this a is... fan of dirty martinis, and this is mm. this is perfect. This is good. I'm so good... so this is this is slightly customized to the setting that we're in because I know both of these gentlemen they don't go heavy on the the olive brine if I remember from uh, I do I li- go listening. I go. I go like more heavy than I should, right, well, to be honest. But Ian, I think is is a little more balanced. I try to be judicious, but uh, I'll make mm-hmm. it dirty. I'm okay. I mean, we we can go dirtier. That's fine. I always I always uh, am <laughs> trying to be respectful. I always think of a, a friend of mine from when I was in um, when I lived in Philadelphia. I would go out to dinner every now, now and then with him and his wife, and his wife loved dirty martinis, and she would say to the bartender, "I like a vodka martini, extra dirty. I want it so dirty there's still lipstick on the glass." Oh boy, that was her. That was her way of getting across. So, how Chris, much how much olive brine. brine do you put in when they order it that way? Uh, see, the funny part is, I'm gonna put in plenty of olive brine, but I'm also gonna put in less vodka, so it sits in the glass, like fits in the glass. So, like, you're not doing yourself any favors. Mm. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because so, like, if you, you order that from me, you're getting like two ounces of vodka to like an ounce of like olive brine, as opposed to like you want a dirty martini, you're getting like three ounces of vodka to like. Half to a quarter ounce of olive. So, brine. Love you. If that's so you're not doing you're any favors. For. You're getting right. you're getting so, a weaker drink. So if I order an extra dirty, yep. What, what's what's your normal ratio? Uh, that one I do about two and a half ounces of the spirit to three quarter olive brine. Okay. Okay. It gets a little more olivey as it warms oh, up, and, and I, I like that. Actually, I, I, I like the oliveness. This, oliveness. this is probably is one word? of the better martinis Olives? I've had, or kangaroos that I've had. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for correcting yourself. And another thing that I don't think most people pay enough attention to is the actual selection of olive. Mm. Like, it's real easy to to get, like, those really terrible, like, giant Spanish queens. Like, Mm -hmm. eh, they suck. So so what do you look for in olive? Like, you want to know the hack? Just literally go to HEB. They have an olive bar. You yeah, the buy, olive bar is where you I can buy get your them. olives by weight. That's what we do. These are peach, okay. these are peachalines. They're kind of like lighter, slightly sweet, a little bit of like a citrusy note to the olive itself, and I can just literally pick up like a scoop. And for, and and while you're there, you might as well get some of the ones that are blue cheese stuff. Oh yeah, because oh, oh my that. god, yeah, they're yeah. so good. I enjoy that. Now, um, <laughs> downstairs, yeah, because I don't know if you've ever had the stuff olives with blue cheese, but I've done hundreds of them and. I mean, well, one of the last times them. you were I'm here, I'm trying to be respectful brought, of language here. No, one of the last times you were here, <laughs> you brought so olives, you'd stuff with blue cheese yourself, this and they true. were out of this world. Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. They were so good. Now, um, the the little international market store uh, downstairs in my building has um, a, a salad bar, and 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 they have a lot of mm-hmm. different ingredients, and they have olives that I bought down there before, uh, but I've noticed they're packed in more of an oil. Than, okay, yeah. uh, than, uh, than, you know, your usual sort of brine. And so if you put those into the martini, they leave a little oil film on that the top of the martini. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So, so is that good or bad? That's what that. I wanted to yeah, ask. I mean, I think that's entirely... I think one of the first shows I, I did here, I literally put olive oil on a cocktail yeah. for you guys. When we did that, that, yeah, yeah you had the door. infused olive oil where you dripped it on there. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, if like you use the an olive that's been like cured in a little bit of like 
olive oil and you get a little bit of like kind of extra extra richness out of it like that's just bonus points to me well i find myself with this excited about getting to the point where i can actually eat the olive yeah yeah because that because that's looking real good right about now <laughs> in that uh ian let's uh, let's do some ipa uh, I don't know how well that'll go with the dirty martini, but you know what? I like both only, of these things. Only so. one way to find out. Yeah. yeah, I like both of these things, so I'm willing to try. Uh, this is from Brixton Labs, which is uh, another way of describing the Brixton Brewing Company, and uh, they are located in Newport, Kentucky. And this is their IPA called Edge of Mysteries, and I'm uh, really curious. You're just about bringing this. thick, ridiculous uh, mm-hmm. beers this time. You're. You were right. That that first one, that Imperial Berliner Weiss, was was about as thick of a mouthfeel as you can get and still be a beer. I think so. Um, I, by the way, Ian, uh, I just want to mention while you're pouring. Last week, and and thanks to whoever's vacuuming or, or doing the uh, leak blowing here uh, for providing an extra ambiance for the show. Um, last week when we did our uh, stout blind taste test. Yes. Um, one of the things we talked a lot about is that both of us are big fans of Southern Star's Buried Hatchet yes. Stout, mm-hmm. but in the taste test, it didn't fare as well against some of the other things. Um, I just wanted you to know, uh, when I got that to bring it in, I bought one of those four packs. Right. So I had several others sitting cold in my little beer fridge, and I had one of them a couple of days ago. And all by itself, away from being tested next to things it just i was like this is one of the greatest beers well, ever as it's we pointed really out beer. on the show though we also I mean, we also unwittingly put something that you can buy right off the shelf in a four pack that's that's available at all times as a stout right up against all of those barrel aged uh-huh uh like uh, uh, really limited edition. limited series mm-hmm. stouts mm-hmm. like literally oh. it was up against all of those I just things and it still of, stood up moly. It's a good one, right? Mm-hmm. It just when you're putting it up against all the barrel aged and all those things that are like just right. that much more of this, and then considering uh, you can just go buy a four pack of it anytime, that's a great style. And I think the four pack's like fifteen bucks. Like it's really well, it's not. A, it's it's ten bucks. It's ten bucks. It's yeah. just a great, very I mean, affordable. I just want to think if you, if you if you think you have great ambiance with a little bit of street noise, let me tell you about uh, getting <laughs> getting my hair cut this morning. Oh yeah. Uh, shout out to Tradesman Barber in Montrose. They mm-hmm. always do a fantastic job, um, as you can see on the video feed. Of we'll, be the, we'll be the judge of that. I'll tell you, my uh, they were literally <laughs> demolishing the building next door, <laughs> like a, like a no, a crane tearing down this building and shaking the walls. Like you can just hear the rumble. Like people are going outside to like take pictures, oh, to look and take pictures. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, Ian, tell us about this IPA. Uh, this is Braxton Labs, a place where we ignite innovation, spark conversations, celebrate community, and champion creativity. Somebody's getting paid by the uh, syllable here. <laughs> uh, Braxton Labs was born to capture the spirit of the garage where Braxton Brewing Company started, located in Newport, Kentucky, so I hope we taste a little oil. Um, Braxton Labs features a brewery and tap room showcase to showcase the talent of our brewing team as it experiments and crafts small batch beers, creating new products and styles on a weekly basis. At Braxton Labs, our beers are brewed and Braxton approved. Alcohol nice. uh, volume is 7% on this. Okay. Braxton Labs, brewed mm. in Kentucky. Interesting. The double dry hopped with Galaxy... Uh, India Pale Ale with Citra Hops. Double Try Hop Galaxy is the name of it. This is not a very interesting um, 
label. It just has a, a generic. Yeah, hop. it's a fairly generic hop. Uh, I could have, I could have maybe drawn that hop on uh, the computer. <laughs> some lovely green lettering and stuff like that. Not a very interesting can. Uh, it's also not as big on the nose as I was expecting from no. a, a double dry hopped uh, Galaxy at seven percent. But it smells good. I haven't tried it yet. Mm-hmm. Try it and tell me what you think. It smell like if I was going off of the smell on this, I'd give this like already. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I get a lemon. A lot of lemon mm-hmm. on the nose. If you ask me what I expect a double dry hop IPA to taste like, it's probably this. I don't like it. Really? It's too hoppy. It's, this is not balanced. This is this is um, this is all bitter. You can and- be quiet. Adults are trying to enjoy their beer over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember what this is IPAs like, were before they got like 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 juicy fruit. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm riding around in the Piney Woods here in Houston on my mountain bike, and on rare occasions I will fall off of my bike... And there's a whole layer of pine needles on the don't, ground. Don't be a hater. <laughs> Look, I'm don't sorry that hater. I'm sorry that you can't ride a bike, but this beer is good. <laughs> this is this beer is delicious. It's, it's, eh. it, <laughs> it, it's IPA before they became overly fruity. And, yeah, and, you know yes, this, yeah. the traditional yeah, IPA was Yeah, but there's nothing on the front end of it. It's just fizz on the front end. There's no malt profile on the front end. It just fizz goes right into you're, bitter. You're always looking for malt, though. And if it doesn't have malt, That's you're disappointed. True. Do you know what one of the prime ingredients of beer is? Well, uh, that it's not fizz. <laughs> that doesn't mean it has to be the prominent taste, though. Now, I will say, I, I, I have a little bit of a critique I mean, would you be this. upset if your oatmeal didn't have much oats in it? Okay, boomer. <laughs> uh, I have a critique not, of this. I'm not trying to be a complainer here. <laughs> but it's a little different. I... I I like the flavor of this, but I wish they'd back the carbonation off a little bit. I feel like it's a little too fizzy on my tongue. Um, a great juicy or hazy IPA has a little less carbonation to it in my mind and a little more of a thicker mouthfeel. And um, I think that would make this better. I do like it, enjoy it. It's refreshing because of the carbonation. but. When I go for a double dry hopped IPA, sometimes I'm thinking more about just that intensity of flavor mm-hmm. and not as much about carbonation. But that's I'm gonna wash my, my mouth out with the solo. <laughs> I think this is if you like grapefruit juice, mm-hmm. you would like this. All beer. of this olive, yes. Brian, and you still choose to be salty. <laughs> Got him. That's a good place to uh, end this segment. We will take a break, <laughs> and, uh, and we will be right back. And guess where we're headed, my friends? Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. That's coming up. Uh, plus more, more martini tasting and a little El Cuero white stout from Lone Pine Brewery. All on the way on smoking and toasting. It's smoking and toasting. We're having suddenly uh, the uh, great martini challenge. It's raining olives. A, uh, it's raining <laughs> olives, yes. Uh, welcome back. It is uh, show number 245 for smoking and toasting. We are brought to you by uh, MyCigarShirts.com. Great shirts for cigar lovers on the web. MyCigarShirts.com because... Cigars. Yes, thank you very much. Ian, we are now to the segment that people seem to love the most because it's the segment that contains... Drinking news. You know what? I was going to play the song, but I think I'm going to give this one up to Chris. 
Uh-oh. Oh, the ukulele has arrived. Going straight to My ukulele on this one. Only took four martinis. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a podcast all about cigars and brews. We're hanging out every week with Ian and Cruz. Spirited discussion and cigar reviews. And the segment known around the world is Drinking News. Ah. It's Drinking News. It's what I love. Me and that Florida man and a bottle of rum. Never go around. What do we got to lose? Well, a night on the town. It took a turn to the south. When I started drinking martinis and running my mouth, <laughs> we belly up to the bar. What do we got to lose? That's when the gambler said, I got a bet for you. He gave right. a seven to one. You know, we couldn't lose. No way to lose. So, me and that Florida man fought a kangaroo. <laughs> we went <laughs> a couple of rounds. He beat us black and blue. And Lord, I hope we don't wind up on drinking news. <laughs> on drinking news. On drinking news. Mama, I hope I don't wind up on drinking news. Cheers, Cheers y'all. <laughs> my favorite line is, Mama, I hope I don't wind up on drinking news. <laughs> That's my favorite line. Uh, well, you know, uh, drinking news is here, and it's, uh, it is what it always is, which is... Highly anticipated and generally disappointing. Um, <laughs> you know, in our society, we uh, tend to view different kinds of fighting in different ways. Uh, we're warned not to bring a knife to a gunfight, for example. Uh, but some fights can be fun. As kids, we loved playing Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was mm -hmm. awesome. We even played dodgeball in school, which is basically fighting with weird inflatable rubber Gym balls, right? It's basically just trying to hit people. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. And you know, I, the, you know, the, the the bigger kids would always just try to like zing you as hard as they could. Oh yeah, the ball. of course, yeah. And if I mention the phrase food fight, you probably will think about a fun and crazy time you had back in college, right? It's not necessarily a a, a negative, but a food fight turned serious recently when a Florida couple <laughs> were arrested. On domestic battery charges. Last week, police, when responding to a 1 a.m. domestic altercation, found 45-year-old Stephanie Lanas and her 35-year-old boyfriend, Adolfo Rivera, quote, and I'm quoting police officers here, covered in spaghetti, end quote, following mm. a physical confrontation that ultimately resulted in the pairs being led away in handcuffs. According to the police, Stephanie and Adolfo Rivera were eating dinner early Friday morning in their Clearwater home when a verbal argument turned violent. During the physical confrontation, police alleged, Lanas and Rivera each shoved a plate of spaghetti <laughs> in the other's face. <laughs> and we do have uh, photos here, although I, I, I don't think they're I think they cleaned up the spaghetti by the time they took the uh, police photos. Uh, when a Clearwater Police on, Department, on, they, they gotta leave that in for the mugshot. Hold on a second. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> how bad? Like, I, I can't wait for the rest of the story because how bad is a food fight at your house when the cops have to get involved? Right, right, exactly. Like, it's different exactly. if you're like in a mall court. Right, right, right. Or if you're at school or something like that. But when you're at your house having a food fight and the cops get involved. 
Right. I don't know what to say. If you're having a food fight or a pillow fight and it involves, in, you know, the authorities, something has gone wrong. Like, and don't be rushed. I'm just creating some ambiance behind well, you here. I appreciate that. So the I'm story, underscoring the story. The story's like, a little lame. And so, like me uh, as one of the local fat kids is like, so was it just spaghetti or like was there meatballs involved or like <laughs> garlic well, bread? When Clearwater, bread? <laughs> when Clearwater Police Department cops arrived at the residence, the duo was, the duo was uh, quote, still covered in spaghetti upon the officer's arrival. Wow. Uh, the mutual combat for which alcohol was reported to be a factor, uh, led to Lannis and Rivera <laughs> each being arrested for domestic battery. They were booked into county jail and released the following day on their own reconnaissance. Domestic battery and, on some spaghetti And charges. maybe that's why they did yeah. the photos without spaghetti, just so people could recognize them. And, uh, Chris Dumont. Is, is, that, is that what that Guns N' Roses album was about? Oh, the, the, the spaghetti, spaghetti incident? incident? <laughs> Uh, both Lannis and Rivera have pleaded not guilty. I just to wanted to say account. the Chinese democracy and raise my eyebrow, but I didn't know if everyone would <laughs> A judge has allowed the two to have contact while the case proceeds. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. In, in what may not be his finest moment. Um, Lannis initially, the woman, was arrested in October of 2020 for allegedly stabbing Rivera in the arm with a knife during a drunken conversation. Yeah. Uh, prosecutors subsequently declined to pursue a felony aggravated uh, battery case against her. Her rap sheet includes multiple convictions for narcotics possession and it's two pages long. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you know how it is, of course man. It is, like, right? yeah. Sometimes you have a too many free samples at the Olive Garden, and you yeah, just, yeah, it's just, it just doesn't work out. <laughs> Wouldn't there be some kind of uh, animated movie called "It's Raining Meatballs" or "Cloudy with a Chance Cloudy of Meatballs"? Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. So, uh, anyway, it's uh, it's uh, another example of what goes on if you venture into the state of Florida, and that's your drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Did you see that key change was pretty clever, by the way? I thought drinking it was, yeah. News, Good. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> I will just mention, by the way, I was glad, and I didn't know that Chris was going to do his uh, drinking news uh, intro song live, but I was glad he was here to do it because I, it, it, was a, it was a fairly lame drinking news story. You know, these are not always the easiest things to find. <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of, every week, I'll tell you this, there's plenty of Florida man stories, but it just doesn't work the same to go, a Florida man shot at his kids last week. You know, that, that isn't necessarily what we're looking for on drinking news. We're not looking for tragedy here. We're looking for comedy, if I may. So, all right, Ian is uh, busting out the white stout. First of all, Ian, do you understand what it even means to be a white stout? What it, What is a white stout I don't exactly? I really know. Uh, uh, we'll have to contact this, because this is actually it's maybe the first one I've seen that was actually labeled a white stout. I've seen, I've seen them before. I've seen golden stouts. Yes, I have seen those, and I've had some of those, and they're delicious, by the way. And this looks rather golden to me. Now, when I think of a white, um, when I think of a white beer, I think more of like Cellus, like a white ale, right? Exactly, ale, exactly, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Belgian wheat, something that's yeah, exactly, a little more of a Belgian style. I found what but, it says on Google. If y'all want to know, oh, white stout. It says a white stout is created as a result of omitting dark roasted malts from the grain bill. And replacing them with cold, steeped coffee, cacao nibs, and or vanilla beans. Uh, Adam on the wheels of steel, ladies and gentlemen. So what you're saying <laughs> is that malt is not an essential part of beer. Uh-oh. Oh. Ian. Not dark, roasty malt. There's still malt in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
It's just not dark roasted I'm, malt. No, okay, you know, just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you heard, you heard, you, you heard what, what Google said. Talk to the hand. Saying. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing on Wikipedia would ever lie. <laughs> uh, uh, look, I, I got Google is is fine. Wikipedia is fine. But until you know Wiki Brian or OnStark weigh in, I'm I'm not gonna like. <laughs> you know, there's a whole the series front. of like musicians that get interviewed, like Fact or Fiction on Wikipedia. Yeah. musicians of famous people yeah. in general. That's pretty yeah. fun. I, I remember uh, there was a, a radio station that I worked at where you, you the what, morning show used to make fun of uh, Wikipedia because it said that the uh, the co-host on the uh, it for some reason her Wikipedia entry. Talked about her owning horses, which she did not. Like, like, where did something like that come from? <laughs> you know, like, who, who put on her Wikipedia page that she owns a horse? Uh, but apparently, she did not. Anyway, uh, white stout, Ian. Without the roasted malts, what do you think, my friend? It's still malty and delicious. Mm-hmm. It is malty and delicious. There's Good. also um, like a fresh, like if you've ever been in the room when they're cracking the malt. They just split mm-hmm. it open before they put it in the mash bowl. It's a very much that kind of. It's it's very much like when you walk into a brewery, that smell that you get a lot of times is that uh, that fresh cracked malt smell. So I'm just going to say, other than the one that the brewmaster brought on the show that time, that we didn't care as much for, and he goes, "Yeah, we didn't like that one either." Like these guys have essentially done no wrong. Like every single thing other than that one that I've tasted from them. And that was the one he said, yeah, we, you know, we didn't like that one either. So clearly he brought something experimental to see if the we were going to gentleman kiss his ass relish, The tornado shark. Oh, the all tornado of shark. So good. It, it's so good. And I'm going to tell you, I still, having tried so many IPAs since I declared that the Yellow Rose was my favorite, um... I keep anytime I come back to it, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like that's this is why I loved it so much. It's, it's so good roasty. and so balanced. This is really quite good. And it's, you're right, Ian. It is malty. It is very roasty malty, but it's just not dark roasted. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah, tried it. this yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I will help you with that. Uh, the only thing that I would be critical of this particular beer about is that it's a limited release. They should right. put this out all the time. It's good. It's an yeah, 8.2% very... alcohol by volume. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has a picture of some kind of uh, woman <laughs> with a headdress. Right. It looks like she's riding a manta ray and or she's something. A very aggressive manta yeah, ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's very spiky, aggressive manta ray with a uh, um, with an attitude. I think yes. this is like the, the, the bitterness you typically associate with hops is replaced with dark chocolate or coffee right. bitterness. Absolutely, yes. And it's a different bitters. Yeah. It, it's great. It's phenomenal. It does have a coffee, especially retro hail to it. I think it would just be better as a stout, in all honesty. Like, You're it, not digging it, on this? Rather than a white it, stout? It, it's good, but like, I'm not in love with it. So what would you what would you want to see more of from this brew? Malt. Oh. oh. What about some fizz? <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no more fizz. We don't no, need any this more is fizz. actually this is actually fizzy enough. I, 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 just, <laughs> I think it's about perfect fizz wise. I think I think I like this. I, this is very drinkable to me. Um, I like uh, this. I mean, I I like it. I'm not like it I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not going to rush out to to buy this. 
but but I like it. I'll I'll, I'll drink but, it. I'll say it's a good beer. Like I, it doesn't excite me. So it I'm comes saying. across though with uh, with a coffee profile that you get mm-hmm. on a lot of more stout beers. Mm-hmm. But it's lighter drinking. I lighter, think, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it didn't it didn't lighter. necessarily go heavy on the coffee beer. Now it's not lighter alcohol. I mean, at eight point two percent. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal. But that, Ian, you had this when you were out there uh, playing bass in your country band. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a difference to how it was out of the tap versus uh, what it's like in the bottle? It, I, I remember being less fizzy out of the uh, tap. Interesting, yeah. Less, less uh, of the fizz, a little smoother. And I like that. Personally, I like less uh, carbonation, especially on bigger beers overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, also, mine had a chance, because I was also playing and everything else, mine had a chance to warm up, and it just gets more coffee when it uh, warms up. It's really good. I like it. I like it. All right, so what is next in Martini Land? Uh, we're going to the London Dry Dirty Martini. Okay, so London Dry Gin, Dirty Martini. We did a, a vodka dirty martini yep. last. We should have had this one uh, sponsored by Reverend Horton Heat with his martini pan song. Oh, that's such a great song. Sometimes, <laughs> okay, so, so while he's shaking this up, I'll tell you that at my house, my wife and I do Martini Mondays. Uh-huh. When she gets home from work on uh, on Mondays, uh, that's that's Martini Day, and usually when I'm in the kitchen, stirring up the martinis, that's what I put on, is Reverend Horton Heat Martini Time. It's Martini it's Time. It's great fun. We should uh, we should get the Rev on the show. I bet he'd come on and play it live. <laughs> he, he's he's pretty cool like that. Man, you know? He's great live. If you've ever oh seen man, his show. what a great man, show! Yeah. Good. You want to do some good fun rockabilly stuff? That's a great show to do. Uh, all right, so we're doing London Dry Gin. And what did you uh, put in Ooh. this particular concoction? Uh, so, more or less the same as the vodka version, just a little bit more olive mm-hmm. brine, kind of we talked about earlier. Gin has that extra botanical kick, a little bit more mm-hmm. kind of going on. So, anything you're adding to support, I tend to put a little bit more just to make sure that it punches through. So, every martini that we've done today has been three ounces of the spirit. All the vodkas have been quarter ounce of your modifier. This has been a half ounce. It's tough after that IPA. Yeah, I, but you know what? Um, it's it's really really good. Yeah, like, it's this very is, good. This is a uh, the nose this is, is an phenomenal. incredibly balanced uh, cocktail. This brings a little bit of a tear to my eye. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember back when uh, the pandemic first hit, and Ian and I were doing the show on Skype from each other's houses. Uh, I remember, like, like it'd be halfway through the show, I'd have no idea he was doing it, and he'd just start shaking up martinis from his house. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so the best one was when I was in Tucson, and yeah. I did the show from the uh, from the uh, cigar shop in Tucson. Yes, yes. And, and I was like, as a matter front. of fact, we're going to try a martini, because I always keep my martini kit, of course. That was pretty funny. <laughs> where were you when you did the show where you focused on the big bug? Oh, that was in uh, St. Uh, St. Petersburg? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, he did, he did a show in his buddy's backyard that he was staying with, and it was great. He was all surrounded by trees and looked very Oh, I was out in the backyard by the pool. It was real pretty. Oh, and, and then at one point, like, he just starts focusing his camera in on this enormous bug. <laughs> oh, was this crazy-looking bug, crazy bug only. <laughs> uh, you know, you, which just goes to show you, you never know. What kind of educational stuff you're going to get here? Well, you never know what we're going to talk about because, frankly, yeah. we never know what we're going to talk <laughs> about. I was going to say, we we make plans and then we abandon them completely <laughs> as the show uh, uh, as the show goes on. No, no um, plan survives contact with the enemy. I love, <laughs> I love this. Uh, yeah, this. This is, is phenomenal. Just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I mean, and 
I think one thing we've more or less proven across four martinis now, five martinis now. <laughs> that soil really martini is still a martini. That like, <laughs> as long as you're using quality stuff throughout, right? It doesn't it's really just, matter. It's just yeah. all like all five that we've had today have been fantastic yeah. because they all have very very good base spirits to them. We're using freshly open vermouth. We're using very high quality olive brine. Like it's just and it's I just, just multiple sides of like the you talk about vermouth. Like look how little is gone from mm -hmm. that. I mean the vermouth has been really just as a um, a little flavor splash. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean uh, across five martinis we've used two ounces. Right, exactly. So uh, yeah, don't overdo your vermouth, people. I've done that before in martinis. It doesn't. It end makes up it well. bitter, baby. Yes. Uh, yeah. We've still got one segment to go, right? Yeah, we, 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 got, we have yeah. one more segment. So, we're, so we're gonna ramp so it up. We're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we gonna do in the last. We are segment? gonna we are gonna go back because we kind of miscalculated. Shots. We we were like, oh, let's do five, and then we'll try and squeeze this in. No, we have room for one more. So we're gonna go as old school as we can. We are going okay. to do the original 1860s, 70s, 50-50 with a full dash of orange bitters. Oh, okay, and we are going for it. So when Thanks. you say 50-50, it'll be 50% gin, 50% vermouth. Yep. Oh boy. Wow, that I, should I, be interesting. I, I do not know how this will work. I have not tested this gin in this format. Right, I well. recommend the London Dry. Yeah, no, that's what we're going to yeah. do. We're, right. we're, we are going as old school as we can back to the origins of the martini. All right, and we will do that next. It's Smoking and Toast, and thank you for uh, joining us for show number 245, The Great Martini Challenge. I have a feeling this last one will be a bit of a challenge. I just want to point out that since Adam answered that question, uh, Wiki Brian said, Hey, Adam, WTF, it's Wiki Brian, not Wiki Adam. <laughs> oh, shit, that was awesome. Pied Piper sound, like I would follow that sound wherever <laughs> it happened and just keep going, you know? So so just to give uh, Wiki Brian some credit, not currently a BJCP or BA style, a blonde or golden ale that exhibits its traditional style flavors such as coffee or chocolate. Many mimic thick and creamy mouthful. Okay, talking so, about that white stout. So it, it, this is interesting because Buffalo Bayou has a uh, beer. I think it's called Wake and Bake, and it is like a blonde ale, mm -hmm. but it is so coffee laced that it yeah. almost reminds you of a stout. Even the mouth feels more like a I blonde, think, but taste wise, it's mm -hmm. very stoutish. Is would that fall into it this category? It might be one of those styles that just. Because it doesn't kind of have a label yet, you just, yeah. you're, you're kind of left at it. Like, I mean, 1836 here in uh, uh, by um, Buffalo Bayou yeah. is, is a copper ale. And that oh, and it's I wonderful. I think that exists, but it's brilliant. That's a brilliant it's beer. It's wonderful. That, that's that's one of the yeah. better beers made here in our city. I mean, it's just, it's an it's just wonderful. And not only is it a go-to, but it has this chocolate note that makes it great with cigars. Oh, yeah. Great with cigars. That yeah, that's a go-to. And then the uh, Eighth Wonder Tex. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. Mm, just yes. the white can, T-E-X on mm -hmm. Oh, man. That's All right, so, oh, Chris, uh -oh. I'm so sorry. I knocked things over. Uh, we've had, I started to say we've had too many um, martinis, but I don't think we really have. I don't believe such a thing that. exists. Uh, uh, like you started speaking a different that? language for a no. moment there. Yeah. I didn't get all this. You knocked down just, the empty ones. So we're good. So, all, yeah, right, so we're all, that, good. Okay. all I heard was we've had mumble, mumble, mumble. I don't know so, what's happening. Let me ask you this. On your night off, do you have a tendency to be a homebody or do you, do you want to go out? Uh, it depends a lot on the context. Like, okay. The weekends, like, 
if I have like a little bit of work to do at home, I tend to be a a homebody. But I also live in the suburbs. I live in Pearland. Like it's it's thirty minutes for me to get to town. So like mm-hmm. I have tonight off. I took uh, you know the day off of work to drink martinis. <laughs> and thank you. I, for that, I, by the I way. make this sacrifice. And we appreciate uh, your for sacrifice, the fine, sir. For the fine people around the world. Uh, so <laughs> so tonight, like we're actually going out. Like I have a reservation at Tiny Champions over in. In Edo, and I'll probably go see my friends at Night Shift. They just opened, yep, yep. doing mm-hmm. fantastic things. Love those guys. What is Love Night what Shift? they're doing. So Night Shift, um, they're like literally right on like the Green Line, and it is Justin Ware who was the GM of Johnny's mm-hmm. Gold Brick. Done mm-hmm. on uh, navigation over there. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, down in that kind of area. So uh, Justin Ware, who was the bar manager at Johnny's Gold Brick for years and years and years, absolutely fantastic. Uh, me and him competed. For years, he was the 2019 Heaven Hill Bartender of the Year for the oh, nation. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, lo- like, not and, a big award. And uh, Patrick Abalos, who's a multi-time, like, national finalist for Diageo World Class. They kind of, like, that's where they kind of, like, met, started putting theirs oh. together. They have an all-star cast of bartenders down there. Great chef, great food. Just really, like, it's the first, like, bar in Edo that, like, I can enthusiastically recommend doing nice. really great things love that so ex- excited to see my my and, friends doing really cool stuff and i love the whole Edo experience it's really starting to come yeah on, like, so. like like what i told him like i'm just really glad i have a like a place that i can send people to drinks after i send them to like either nancy's hustle or tiny champions for dinner yeah, yeah. like okay. those restaurants cool. are so great cool. and like that neighborhood's so up and coming but it's like that's like my two stalwarts and i'm like well then what do you do when you're on navigation? <laughs> right, right. And like, yeah, and, eight, and like right. that place is really coming, like that whole neighborhood's coming up because like White Rhino open and Fitzcarraldo, like it's really kind of developing and coming up. But I know those guys are doing really cool stuff. They have a beautiful space, including what's soon to open. I think they have like an actual rooftop patio that overlooks. Oh, have you been to Cidercade? I have not been yet. I've heard really good things. Oh man, is it the truth? Oh man, yeah, Cidercade. Is a big ass arcade. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, uh the uh what's the cider brand? Um, I think it's called Cidercade. Actually, now I think about it, they have a bunch of ciders you can get locally. What, like, like, I mean, if you're, if you're telling me or? this is an Edo, this is probably happening tonight. Oh yeah, no, okay. no, Cidercade, go by there. It's ten dollars to get in the door, and all the games are open. Oh, oh nice. my wow! And, what? And, and and don't misunderstand this because it's not like oh a bunch of eh games and stuff yeah. like that like i wanted around play of course i had to play gauntlet and, yeah. and uh age of uh okay like, yeah like like I, I mean like it's all the old arcade games all the new arcade games and it's all wide open yeah, oh, well if for uh, whatever reason my, my my wife is listening you know where we're gonna wind up tonight i'm on the way i'll, yeah. See, yeah. I'll meet you there there you go <laughs> yeah and it's I'll kick your ass absolutely a star Wars and it's X-wing a oh, oh yeah oh yeah all right yeah. it's a huge room there's something yeah, like NBA we didn't Jam. have to Let's wait go. on anything like we just walked yeah. up to the the only thing you'll have to wait on when we were there is uh uh guitar hero but yeah, i'm fine yeah. with that yeah all right i can i can play that at home yeah or whatever rock band or whatever it is yeah anyway go ahead well, um, the reason that I asked is because there's an interesting article that came out on uh, Mandatory.com about the drinks that bartenders are most likely to order on their night off right. when they go out. Yeah. So I want to read you this list and see what you think about it, if this is accurate or if uh, if it reflects you, first of all. Sure. And then secondly, do you think this is what other bartenders do? Yeah, let's go. And so the first one, I think, might be a challenge, but maybe I'm wrong. Daiquiri. Absolutely. 
hundred percent. Yes, really. Yeah, one of, one of the the absolute classic cocktails. It is the 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 test of a bartender. It's it's something you can't hide behind. It's rum, lime, sugar. That's it. And if you can't make those three taste good, I don't want to taste anything else that you do. So that that is totally something you this. would order. I, know. Never know. I, I, I have. This ab- is great. I will absolutely walk. Like if I'm having one drink for the night, I routinely just like well, do a I, classic daiquiri. See, I yes. love a good daiquiri, but that's totally surprising because I I think of myself as like a, a daiquiri. A bar you mean like the ones that you I get on the that. street at New Orleans? <laughs> yeah, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> with the tape on the straw, right? With the yeah, giant yeah. like. <laughs> Giant. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like no, that, that, that's that's absolutely one of them. All right. So how about gin and tonic? Uh, sure. If you're feeling lazy, uh, gin and tonic. I, I, I don't know that a ton of bartenders like go out and drink G and T's, but so here's what the article says: it says the keys in the little details, and it's a joy to see how different bars and bartenders execute this. If you're going to spend money on a top quality spirit, the rest of the drink should follow suit. And then it goes on to say uh, about different places that. The author of the article is yeah, saying he's really liked it. Yeah, like the the details, like somewhat. If you get into like the world of Spanish gin and tonics, the ones that are serving mm-hmm. like big goblets, like yeah, sure. Like there's a whole lot of room for experimentation. Mm-hmm. We have one on our menu that's absolutely fantastic. I love it. We call it the B A G and T. People are like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's badass cool. gin and tonic. Yeah. <laughs> it just literally. And, and so it, what, it says it on the menu. So what makes it badass? Uh, it's in a really beautiful uh, etched goblet. We use Citadel gin that we infuse with uh, butterfly pea flower. Everything we put in the drink is a botanical inside Citadel itself. Mm, nice. So everything calls back to the base spirit. We put a glow stick in it because the drink's fucking purple, and that's awesome. And we shouldn't really take drinks too seriously sometimes. And we like a little bit of violet liqueur. Like, yeah, it's awesome. It's Instagrammable. It drinks easily. I don't order. <laughs> I don't know a bunch of people gin- that like go out and order gin and tonics. So I don't yeah. know how. How truthful that is as far as like experimentation. If I'm getting it, I just want like tank ray and like gun tonic. That's all I want. I make that at the house pretty often. Yeah. Yeah. Gin, so I don't I don't tonic. know that it's something like a lot of bartenders order when they're out, but yeah, sure. Like I see the appeal of the drink. So how about the Manhattan? No bartender orders that. So this is what the article says. It says I like to order Manhattan on the rocks. Vermouth isn't appreciated yeah, that person as much idiot. as it used to be. I this hate is, everything about them. this. Is Patrick Morgan bartender at the parlor in Hollywood, California? Never heard of it. Fuck him. In, in Hollywood, California. <laughs> Don't order your Manhattan on the rocks. Drink it up. Uh, it's a beautiful drink. And, I love Manhattan. I never order Manhattans. Uh, and maybe I will now. How about, Hollywood. How about yeah, objectively false. How about, everything about that. How about the Negroni? Favorite cocktail of all time. Oh, love really? are amazing. So it says bartenders everywhere love ordering a Negroni cocktail. Nearly every bar in the world has Campari, gin, and sweet vermouth. Fact. It's an easy cocktail to make, and it's very it forgiving. Is. So even a new bartender should be able to make a taste. I had uh, Martine over at uh, Poison Girl make me one of those. I hadn't tried one before, and mm-hmm. it was quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Negroni is one of my favorite cocktails of all time. Every ingredient matters, whether it, if you switch the gin, the vermouth, or yep. the bitter, 100%. you get a beautiful... Uh, different experience. It's three things in equal parts. You cannot fuck it up. All right. I love it. How about the old-fashioned? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it says, if I were to order a classic cocktail, it would be the old-fashioned. I'm a strong admirer of good whiskeys and bourbons. Then you add a little sweetness, yada, yada. That's from Richie Smith, the bartender and bar manager at the local in San Diego. I, I, I feel you're a little less enthusiastic uh, about I, this one. I, I love old-fashions. I think <laughs> just slightly burned out on them. Oh, uh, so maybe, yeah, just I understand like, this. Just been drinking them for 15 that, years. Like, like, like I was about Hoppadillo. Yeah, yeah and, and like if I see like an interesting old-fashioned variation on someone's menu, that's probably what I'm going to order. So, yeah, there's a little bit of truth to that. But I've never like, 
But the old that, fashion isn't something you can take one direction or the other. Like it, it, it tips sort of is the what balances it is, right? yeah. one yeah. way pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and that's another one of those like it follows the same like that's the two kind of litmus tests, if you will, are the mm-hmm. daiquiri and the old fashioned. Okay. If you can't make those two cocktails correctly, you suck as a bartender. <laughs> Noted. Good. Good to know. So how about how about the paper plane? Ooh, I don't even know what that is. Uh, not, that, 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 not quite a classic cocktail, but more of a modern classic. Yeah, it's a modern classic. It's a Sam Ross cocktail from Milk and Honey in New York City. So equal parts bourbon, lemon, Aperol, and uh, Amaro Nonino. Great cocktail. Uh, lesser known, but yeah, I I know plenty of bartenders that drink paper planes. I was a little surprised to see it on the list, actually, because it wasn't as well-known as some of the others. Yeah, but I, th- I think it's a little more kind of well-known in bartending circles. Ah, uh, okay. That so there, are, there yeah. are certain drinks that kind of function as like a kind of secret handshake of like... Ah, see, this is, of this like, is the inside I, information. Like, yeah. I'm familiar with cocktails and... I'm, like, I want to see if you know what I'm talking about, and then like mm-hmm. you can gain my trust. So I think the, next, the paper plane is very much one so of those. So the next time I go to Lola's, mm-hmm. that's what I ask for. There you go. Absolutely, yeah. See how, about, how, see how far that gets you. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a wink yeah. while you so, yeah. Lola's yeah. is one of the more yeah. beautiful dives in Houston, but yeah. it's yeah. very divey. Great cocktail invented by a great bartender. I, I fully approve. So how about the Sazerac? Uh, I drink a lot of them when I'm in New Orleans. Most of them aren't very good, but oh, yeah, sure. is that because you're in New Orleans, or is it because you're not a fan of the cocktail? No, no, I love the cocktail. It's just because I'm in New Orleans, and they make a lot of terrible ones. Mm-hmm. If it's done correctly, Casey Lyons, the lead bartender at Pacific Hideaway in Huntington Beach, California, says, "I don't know what that has to do with uh, Sazerac. It's I don't know capturing shit about that. passion in a glass, just a moment of perfection." Uh, yeah, sure. Oh, so, I'm detecting a little sarcasm sounds, here. Sounds like marketing wankery. The zen of the yeah, Sazerac. Yeah, and, and like I, I love Sazeracs. How about the Vocar? The Vieux Carré. Vieux Carré? Okay, uh, thank you for I drink a lot of them when I'm in New Orleans at the Hotel Montleon where they're invented. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mo- I, no. Uh, Absolutely. So, fa- okay, let me, let me be fair. Absolutely fantastic cocktail. It's not something like I hear a lot of bartenders ordering. So, cr- pronounce it for me again. View Carré. View Carré. I'm just going to bring this means list all, the old, next time I go to your bar. Yeah, it, so it basically... <laughs> and order them all, right? One yeah. after the other. Uh, I can make everything but the paper plane, and I can do a version of it. <laughs> Spell it phonetically, so, you know, afterwards, too. Yeah, right. so, so the View Carré refers, it technically means old box, so it refers to the fr- basically the French Quarter in New Orleans. No wonder I couldn't pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, so, so it was literally invented at the Carousel Bar in the Hotel Montleon. Well, that's fascinating. Which is where I've drank the most view carrés of anywhere in my life. I, I have been to that bar many times, but I've never ordered that particular cocktail. No, um, and they make a fine version of it. It's not. It. It's not. I love it. There are very, very few drinks that, if you order them where they were invented, will be anywhere approaching respectability. What is the best drink you make right now? All of them. But, but is there a favorite? Like, if you had to no. pick one. No, no, really? Absolutely not. All right. Spoken like a true bartender. No, I, I mean, we have 18, well, as of Tuesday, we have 17 original cocktails on our menu. 16 of them are mine. I make all 17 of them very well. <laughs> this great. man came out with a, a cocktail for me one time because I do walk into his bar and do that bartenders that thing that bartenders hate where yeah. I'm like, make me something. Yeah, I, um, I, don't, I don't hate that at all. Like I, I hate it. You don't hate it, it if it's him. I hate right? it if you're lying to me. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> if you're like, just make me something, and then I make you something, and you're like, eh, I don't like mezcal. You're like, well, then tell then me. You should that. have said that. Yeah. So, but he came out with a drink that was in uh in a uh, cup that was like a bowl of pho. 
Yeah. And it tasted a bit like a bowl of pho. Really? With As a cocktail. Fantastic. Uh, that is our best-selling cocktail. What is it called? It's called the Pho Loma. It's the a pho savory, it. amazing uh, cocktail. Yeah. It, it, so, so it's it it like cousin to a Paloma? It is. So Reposado tequila, lime juice. We make a pho spice syrup that we uh, we put that. fish sauce and beef stock in the syrup. <laughs> oh, so it has that, like, so good. that unctuous uh, umami flavor to it. We you're making me crave a particular kind of cuisine over right it. now. We're currently working on like even improving that cocktail further by creating a basil noodle so we can actually have an edible noodle in your pho cocktail. Uh, oh, uh, my goodness. We're probably about a week and a half or two weeks from That like is a little like that one eating right. the olive it's in the It's so decadent, martini, too. Like, you're yeah, drinking exactly. it, and you know you're drinking something that is just out of this world. Uh, it's so I good. love it. I yeah, love no, it. I, I absolutely love that cocktail. Do it's, we uh, Do we have a final thing we we're do. here? I think we should uh, get to that, don't you? Yeah, we already started up. We're ready. All right, let's do it. I am uh, I am the first one poured, uh, which is exciting. Um, yeah, so so this one, like we talked about, we are going as old school as you can. We're so going. This is the old going, school. Mix, we are going right? back 150 plus years. This is the 50/50 ounce and a half Fox and Seeker London Dry, ounce and a half Dolan Dry Vermouth. So first, and a full dash of orange bitters. So first question is, why did it change over the over the years? Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to say. Let me hit a little bit of lemon oil on these guys. Because mm-hmm. that's the traditional. This this cocktail predates olives being imported into the U.S. So, <laughs> well, that's an old cocktail then. It is. It's a very very old cocktail. I mean, it's it's just kind of hard to say. Like a lot of the martini history is shrouded in 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 mm-hmm. secrecy, in in mm-hmm. mystery. Well, I would say ancient that it, little it, cults, ancient martini cults. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> these are cults that, I want to belong to. So, so I'm trying to make it all Lovecraft-like. Yeah, so. right, exactly. So, so I, I think probably the the best thing to do while we sip these, because like I see again, this is this is untested. This is completely different. Uh, but I do want to give just a second, just to Sean, who literally distilled these spirits that we've been drinking Sean, all day. For just, serious, these are just like to, just awesome. to talk about Fox and Seeker and like the cool stuff yeah. that they're doing, because we connected through happenstance. I needed somebody to do vodka, or somebody that like made a vodka or cared about vodka. Which it's been a year and a half we've been trying to find them. It's really hard right. to do. Oh. And mm. we just got connected through people. We we met up for coffee and we're just like, Oh, okay, like you're a nerd, I'm a nerd, we can get nerdy <laughs> about spirits. Let's do I this. So it. like I like I do want to give him a second to just like kind of shine on Fox and Seeker yeah, and what they're do. doing while we enjoy these martinis. Yeah, well, I mean it it really everything Chris is highlighting, you guys highlight, just like the intricacies of everything you deal with, whether it's cigars, beer coffee food whatever um you can go to that level of depth with anything and you know spirits is just where we landed um so we really enjoyed this opportunity to show this in a in a martini that someone who knows how to build martinis can really highlight the base how long have you guys been uh in operation now oh not long um october of 2020 was our first batch so you are ten kidding months. me. Yeah. And, but to, from from and, the and, taste of these spirits, and, and I would I, not and, have guessed that. And, yeah. and if I don't mention it, I don't know that he will, but uh, there's whiskey in a barrel, yeah? Yeah, we got, oh, we got yeah. two full barrels. Uh, one of them is weeded. One of them is triticalied, which nobody's heard of triticale. Wait, it, wait, hold on. I'm going to out-geek all of you. Yeah, oh, okay. Okay. Star Trek, Trouble with the Tribbles. Who put the Tribbles in the Quadro triticale? Is it? Is it similar? I so I don't know the reference. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm not you even going to pretend this round. to follow I, this down. I, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone there if it hadn't been the very last segment so of the show. Because geeky. that, that would have, like, uh, I know people are turning the show off, like, around the world in droves. Uh, no, but Triticale, seriously. What is Triticale? So Triticale is a genetic hybrid of cross-pollination of wheat and rye. Right, it's a it, grain. Yeah, right. it's its own grain. It's its own Because that's species. what tribbles eat. I'm sorry. Please, there please continue. <laughs> so, I am boggled by this. Right I know, now. right? You should be. You should be. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I've seen trouble with tribbles, but I think I was 12. Yeah. Go ahead. Every bourbon has an accent grain. You know, right. the corn is the is the base ingredient. You know, 51% minimum in any mash bill, and then you usually have an accent grain, whether it's wheat or rye. Those are the most popular. I right. would say in the U.S. A triticale is a genetic hybrid of those two, okay. and it's a completely unique flavor profile. And so this so, is what you're using to uh, to bring about the flavor profile of your uh, whiskey? Of, of our first barrel, yes. Oh, yeah, our second is. barrel is weeded, our third barrel will be rye, and our fourth barrel, we don't know what we're doing yet. Are you so going to do a Malort barrel? That would be amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, so don't, like, don't so do Actually, y'all tell me. What do you, what do you want <laughs> do, the fourth I was, barrel? Oh, there you go. Right do here. not do a Malort barrel. Trust <laughs> me on this. It'll be your worst selling thing so, ever. So that was the one thing that I really appreciate when we started talking is because, as you guys know, like so many distilleries that want to make bourbon kind of forget to... Uh, factor aging into the whole mm -hmm. business plan, yeah, right? And, exactly. And they just wind up buying some, you know, neutral right. grain spirit out of you know Iowa or and Kansas, putting something like, on the shelves. Yeah, exactly. you know, just adding some water, doing a cursory redistillation. But when we met up, and he told me like, literally distilling a vodka, distilling a gin, and recognizing the value, and like mm -hmm. doing grain to glass, even when you're doing the things that like maybe might have been what you intended to do when you start out because you start out you know wanting to do bourbon but understanding that, like there are other options that you can do is, and taking the time to do those the right, right way and really right, right. like obsess it, about those i think is really fantastic the question is this is bourbon your ultimate goal so bourbon is a first of all the united states is a brown water country yeah um and texas is a brown water state yeah I'd so it, there's there's a lot of business case to going down the aged category well the, and the reason i ask your your products are coming out so clean and so they don't taste like there's a lot of distilleries that have started up where a, the mash bill that you start off with for vodka and a lot of that kind of starts off the same as what you're doing yeah. When you're going to make uh, brown water, as you call it. So a lot of companies started up, and as they're, I'm getting started, they just randomly put out a vodka. Yeah. And they randomly put out a gin mm -hmm. because it's easy and it's faster. And you can have it turn around real fast. But yours come out crafted like you, like, like this doesn't taste like a rush. Let's just get it out and see if we can get something on the shelf thing. These taste a little more crafted. So I've been under the... I've been laboring under the uh, uh, illusion that, that this is what you're planning on doing. And now I was going to ask you, actually, about, like, are you planning on doing a bourbon? So it's interesting that it came up this way. Well, if you ask the folks on Wall Street, what we're doing doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, it, to go grain to glass, especially with vodka and it's gin, it, it's not easy. It's laborious. There's only a few distilleries in Texas that do it. Yep. Still Austin's one of them. Uh, Real uh, does a, a grain to glass spirit. But there's not many. Uh, you have to search to find them. So uh, 
knowing that our passion lies in fermentation you know fermentation is where you create the flavors and mm -hmm. distillations where you harvest them i just want to so interject it, and say as apprehensive as cruz was for the 50 50 he was the first one to finish this first he was no let me just say that was great i loved the yeah. flavor of that yeah. and yes i did finish mine first yeah, he, he was the first Fantastic. one i did not mean to cut you off i just had oh, to, I, fine. I just yeah, had to no. establish that for no. the uh for the audio only we're, version we're, yeah. we're done here uh so these spirits are terrific and we're super excited to taste whatever your expression is that you wind up with uh, on the uh, whiskey side. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to bringing it to market. So, um, How are you finding uh, the reception to what you're doing at the... Um, at the liquor stores and the retail outlets surprisingly the the gin is well received kind of universally mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. the vodka has become very divisive and really yeah it it was counterintuitive because it has flavor um, oh, and, and I see. Yeah. that's really where it it, it kind of surprised us we weren't well, planning on it as someone who loves flavor and someone who loves vodka this is to me. This is like the perfect thing, and Ian is setting up cups. What are you thinking, everybody? I just want to try which uh, whichever vodka by itself. Like the the um, which one should I try just by itself? The I mean, Discovery you series. Should, you should the... try both of them. Yeah, I think and side by them. side is the most educational right. thing right. we can do. Looks like you have five more cups over there. I will pass at that a minimum. Over. All right. So side by side, just a little taste to see. Yeah, it gives how it, these uh, compare to each other. So I, I'm really I had not tasted this vodka. Like when we when we we met up to kind of you know pregame a little bit. He had told me he goes we did a vodka, and the only difference is the yeast used in fermentation. Everything right. else is exactly the same, and he told me it is one. He, he goes it is polar opposites. He goes I'll bring it to the show. Okay. I'm very much so, short so pouring I, these. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I thank you for that. Let's <laughs> mm. that one to Adam. All right, so the first one you poured is the... Is the commemorative? Uh, yeah. All right, so a, I'm going to wait because I want to taste the, um, uh, the, the regular, regular one first. first. Sure. Yes. Yeah, and both of these use the mm. same exact grain bill, 80%. Corn, twenty percent wheat, all from Denton County. And I, and I think another thing you, you can talk about that, that we talked about because when we met up, I was like, okay, like what processes are you using on your gin? Are you doing like right. ma maceration? Are you doing vapor basket? Are you doing compounding? He's like, uh, yes. So I think all you were telling me above. like, yeah. you know, there, there's like two or three different expressions of juniper in like your right. gins. Yeah, and, and and that's true. That you know you. If you macerate or steep yeah. juniper in, let's say, 100-proof vodka overnight, you get a certain flavor profile. So, if you steep it right, in 80-proof, right. it's a completely different flavor profile. And, like, this yeah. was fascinating to me because no one fucking does this. You mm -hmm. either do, like, maceration or you so do vapor basket. all of the flavors, all the botanicals, everything you put in this is identical to these except for that um, yeast. Is that correct? Correct. And in those two, there's zero botanicals. That's 100% grain, oh, sorry, grain water, and yeast. That's all it is. Your biases are showing. Yes. So, well, I don't know which delicious. one you're drinking, but... I'm having the uh, Texas vodka first. The Texas vodka, you'll get orange, uh, vanilla, mm -hmm. 
especially mm-hmm. on the nose. If you're a tequila drinker, you typically get Blanco tequila on the nose. Yes, yes. That, yeah, um, that, and that it, is that is what that is. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's yep. a subtle earthiness. That, yeah. Is, yep. There's mm-hmm. a sweetness to this that I really, it's a very natural like sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. But you, for those people who say that vodka is flavorless, you should try this vodka. Yeah, it, that's definitely not flavorless. Yeah, and we control the fermentation oh, yeah. to, so that we don't have to charcoal filter, which is where charcoal filtration would strips all the flavor out of vodka. Right. So what makes it a complete? You have to ask spirit. the question: What causes charcoal filtration? Why do you need to do mm-hmm. it? Um, it's either you're creating a commodity product, or the flavor you start with isn't something you want to bottle. Wow. So we ferment it in a way so that we can bottle it and serve it. So this vodka has turned to, out to be very divisive. Some bars just say, we don't want it. it we want something neutral, and, and we're not the product for that bar, right. for sure. This, they're so different from each other, which is they bizarre. I, I'm just A-Bing them and just thinking, This is wow. This is almost like the difference, and I'm going to put this in beer terms. This is almost like the difference between um, a wheat beer and, and a lager. It's it's very different. Like there's a mm-hmm. whole different profile going on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the roundness of the mouthfeel and everything else. Your first Texas vodka has a very straightforward, with a little sweetness and some of those flavors you're mentioning. Um, well, and those flavors, not some of them, <laughs> but but uh, the 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 uh, commemorative with the different yeast is very different. It's very it's got a wider palate to it. It's it's a rounder mm-hmm. kind of thing, and it's got a little bit of a cool kind of funk to it that I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the thing that I really enjoyed going through here is that Texas vodka is the base for both of these gins. The only and thing that changes correct. is just adding botanicals. The botanicals, yeah, right. Yep. So I, I think I thought that this was the best way to neutrally show off gin versus vodka in a variety of settings. And I think we had a smorgasbord of really good drinks. And I think it just kind I love of smorgasbord. <laughs> I'm about to innovate. Uh oh. Uh oh. The entire. Industry and do a blended vodka. Mind blown. All right, so so I have to do it because we're getting towards like kind of the end of the segment. So like, mm-hmm. let's just go. I right. have. Let, let's all go. Right, so we're like, gonna, we gonna all go crazy here. Uh, are, are we doing <laughs> it? Blended vodka. I, I was just gonna ask martini questions, but if we're oh su- go for it, go if for we're, it. If we're suicide, I was just gonna ask like, kind of where we landed. Like, what was everybody's favorite martini that we did well, today? And I'm Holy cow! Like the gin. vanilla comes out like huge. Are we, are we innovating live on air right now? Like right here, right now, the <laughs> vanilla right. pops out. Holy like cow! Vanilla, you're right. Like huge, and there's almost a uh, like that. Did you say cacao? Like there's almost a cacao nib kind of like. Oh yeah, like in the a very little bit of like, like back end there. Yeah, sure. I get it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, wow, that's that's impressive. Now I gotta buy a new yeast strain. Uh oh. <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> hey, blended vodka is in and and a completely open that's field a whole right now. Thing, Ian, you've just invented something. <laughs> yeah, I love that's it. it. I love that's it. it. All right, so, so years, so, 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 so years in the making, we finally did it. Ian, favorite martini? What was it? Uh, the last gin martini. The the fifty fifty. The fifty fifty. Really? Yeah, uh, but second favorite would be the one the uh, probably the last. Um, a uh, uh, vodka martini with the uh, olive, the, the Texas and, dry, and dirty. That, okay, that was my favorite. That last vodka martini okay. with the olive. But mm. I love that fifty-fifty. Like when I took a no, sip, it was great. I that love, was like that I, to me is. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't I expecting that. to like that one yeah. as much, so, and it totally yeah. rocked me. Don't like I was, be scared of your vermouth. Vermouth is good. Wow. 
Like buy a half bottle, keep it in your refrigerator. You will be fine. Yeah. Is and, good. and drink it on its own too. So, like, drink it on its own. Know what it does because yeah. it, it's a phenomenal flavor profile. So, so you've we tasted had... all of these on their own multiple times. What was your favorite martinis? So probably not going to come to a surprise, but the London Dry Dry is okay. my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that that was that was probably mine as well. What? Which also not with a the surprise. orange bitters. The orange yeah. bitters mm-hmm. was. That was a great touch. Well, what fun this was. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and uh, demonstrating all of the stuff that you did here. We've learned a couple of things. One of them is buy vermouth and drink it fresh. Yep. Yeah, and don't be afraid of it if it's fresh. And also, kangaroos aren't bad. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Your vermouth is going to go bad. So what does that mean? You, just, drink it. you right. should drink more martinis. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, but, but it's just like... And you, as we've established multiple times, this show will influence sales. Once yeah, you pop. Please buy vermouth and yeah. lots of it and drink lots of martinis. <laughs> once you pop, Preferably you with Fox stop. and Seeker. Absolutely. But, but it's just like you were talking about with... Uh, or just like you might talk about with... Uh, like if you have a bottle of red wine and you don't finish it and you put the cork back in it. Yeah. You can have some the next day and mm-hmm. it's probably going to be all right. But uh, three weeks from now, not so much. Yeah, and yeah. and your vermouth is fortified, so you're talking more like six to eight weeks, and you'll right. be fine. But if six months later you don't, <laughs> like you left it on your counter, you didn't put yeah. it in the fridge, you're totally, in for a bad time. Don't totally do that. Good. Yep. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. I don't know yeah, if we resolved anything, but we sure had fun getting to the bottom of everything we could get to the, to bottom, the bottom of the glass. Yeah. At least yeah. the bottom, bottom of the glass. glass. That's right. And I got the bottom of every glass. Yeah, and uh, and it was fantastic. And and uh, Fox and Seeker. I just want wow, the record to show it was three. Stuff. It was three to one London Dry to to vodka. I just want to say that's mm. fine. That's mm. fine. So we did get to the Go bottom jam. of something. I'm still a vodka guy. So that's a, and that's fine. Yeah. Well. Blended, blended vodka. I, I, but I love the blended vodka. Blended vodka. I, 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 I legitimately enjoyed I that dirty vodka martini oh, more than best. I thought I would. I the thought it was dirty great. vodka martini was the best. It was the best of the day. Yeah. According to one person on the panel. But that's, uh, you know, that's Got the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> Uh, thank you and again, guys, and uh, please come back and let's do this again, or let's come up with a different idea and do that for sure. Uh, uh, Fox and Seeker, find it uh, wherever you shop if you're in Texas for uh, gin or for vodka, because this is good stuff. Thank you guys so much for being on the show, uh, Ian. It's a pleasure as always. Adam, thank you for uh, keeping it all together. Have a great week, my friends, and we will be back to uh, greet you with show number two hundred and what it is. 41? 46? No, no. 46, oh. I think. We're halfway to 300. Halfway to 300. Yeah. Carry the one. We'll get there. And uh, and next week should be an exciting show because some guy named Chris Hart's going to be on. So. Who? That guy's crazy. Have a great week and uh, cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Sunshine is so good to you. Y'all do this every week, believe it or not. Every every single week. It's so right when it's okay.